The following is not intended for younger listeners. Yes, we're talking about Disney movies, but this is a podcast. Listen, if you're an adult, you can listen. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, make a wish upon a star and listen to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Welcome! Welcome, everyone, to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I'm Dude Two, Joe. And we have, once again, a very special guest, our basically returning third dude, Allison Cole. Hello, gentlemen. It's good to be back. I would clap, but I had a drink in my hand. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I think I remember last time you had like two minutes of clapping that needed to be edited out of the episode. So where you're just helping Joey at this point, right? Yeah, pretty much. I suppose this is this is a, a deeply personal question, Allison. You are the only person who has not only appeared on this show, other person that has appeared on the show not only twice, but three times. Why? Why? Yeah. That, how can you tolerate is, this? Thank you, Richard, for taking over. Like, how? Yeah. okay well first of all uh joey you should know that i love you with all my heart and that i support you and whatever you do uh (laughs) so that's an easy answer then so what what about this what about you so fun okay so here's some fun here's some fun two dudes lore for all you home listeners who are taking notes and stalking us like brian from idaho uh Joey told me this story, and it still amuses me to this day, that Richard is the very first person that Joey told when he and I were on our dating website, and we were just talking to each other. Richard was your first person, and my first person is one of my best friends. Um, she's a Disney cast member, and her name is Aria. Shout out to Aria. Shout out. This is this is all, this is a true story. Richard became my first friend from your side of everything. I'm sorry there weren't better options. <laughs> there you are. We get to relive the magic. So the other thing is we're recording this, I like to say when we're recording these things, um, August 1st, 2021. We're a few days, we've we've said this on the show already. Our birthday month, by the way. Our, yes, our birthday month. Mutual dude's birthday month. Yes, it's funny how that worked out. We're, we're just a few days away from our, our very special trip we have a, a whole posse of people going tagging along on this uh, bogus journey. <laughs> I don't think it, I don't think a Disney trip can be labeled as bogus legally. I don't think it can. <laughs> listen, just uh, listen, listen. Talk, talk, talk to my <laughs> uncle. Ask him about June twenty twenty one. He'll say it was a bogus trip for him. <laughs> Actually, you did tell me about that trip, so I will go ahead and be like, uh, okay, this will be our awesome adventure. Essentially, we talked about this in the last episode. This whole episode was to sort of celebrate that fun trip that we're going on, especially because we were at least we were going to try to record it while we were there. Unfortunately, due to just lack of technology and just a lot of different factors, that's not going to happen. However, I do want to try to make a video. I have a tripod for my phone, which I'm using right now. And it's it's actually really nice because it's got a it's just it's nice to have this. So we're gonna try to do that at least. And we got the YouTube channel going. I know Joey has a fun a really fun idea actually for a YouTube video that he wants to try out. Has has, has on that note has 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 the, I don't want to spoil it. So you might have already told you. I don't know. No, he didn't tell me. Well, I, I Allison, I 
Allison, I, I thought I sent you a picture of uh, Cornelius from Planet of the Apes in a robe. Do you remember that picture? This is this is going to sound very weird for people out of context. And did I did I oh, did I show that. you? Did I show you? My <laughs> okay. Prop? Yes, I remember that. <laughs> well, I'm looking at it right now, and because I don't want to spoil anything for the viewers at home, I'm not going to say anything. But ah, yes, now it's coming back. Uh, to I'll me. say this much: I do not I do not advocate for smoking at all. Two dudes, one double features does not, does not advocate for smoking. Please quit. But. That's a whole other thing, but we got a lot of ex- that's a whole other ball of wax. Yes, yes, yeah. So due to a lot of uh, a lot of shenanigans, um, we just were not able to record at you know in Florida. So what we're doing instead, we're recording uh, just ahead of our trip. We're a couple days out. I can't believe it's we're in the single digits, guys. It's less th- less than a week. It's nuts. Next week at this time, we'll be in Florida, the the hub of horribleness, but we'll be in the good part. At least the part that we like. And we will be safe. We Everybody in our group has had their shots. We all are going to be bringing lots of extra masks, lots of extra hand sanitizer. Yeah. I may have cleaned out Target of their travel-sized hand sanitizer. That doesn't surprise me, knowing you. <laughs> Just wanted to put that out there that we're going to be doing this as safely as possible. All of us have done our research and all of us have had our had our shots. Um, and we're over like the two or three week period after that to be like fully shot we're not dumb we're all smart in this regard we're, we're dumb in other ways i'll say that yes much. in this regard we're smart full disclosure we were all going to do this trip last year like before uh corona went on its world tour and ruined everything we had already planned to all take this trip in august and make this like our big friend trip and then the world started to end. And then we would watch August come up with just more and more dread because we were like, well, now we're never going to get to go. So we had to cancel that trip. And now it's we're finally going to be able to see each other. This is a not so fun fact. This will be my first time seeing Joey since November of 2019. Yeah. That is how been how long it has been since we've seen each other in person. Joey does mention that to me a lot. And I feel for him. He's like, I haven't seen my girlfriend since... He gets aggressive about it. One of the few things he gets aggressive so, about. Sometimes I do, yeah, where I, I'm just like, people are like, I, haven't, I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. I'm like, my girlfriend hasn't seen me in a year and a half! Please! Enough! No, it's not a year and a half. I have it here. It has been exactly one year, eight months, two weeks, and six days since we have seen each other as of the recording of this episode here. Wow. It sounds like it sounds like she she's more upset about it than you because she counted the days. She you counted just guesstimated. I, I, I what's guesstimate. up, Joey? What's what's up? <laughs> she she was on the ball. I never said math was my forte. I never made that claim. But that aside that aside, That's um we, we this wanted is this is our reunion. This is the reunion. So we wanted to talk about do something Disney related. And um now it's it's very much on the record that I am not a fan of the this this one podcast episode. You might have heard of it. It's called the Two Dudes One Double Feature Star Wars episode, where we talk about the entire Star Wars franchise. You know, I it might have some of its some fans, but it's four hours long and that's a whole other thing. It was the it was the most streamed at least on SoundCloud until the Greta Gerwig episode. Greta, Ger- Greta Gerwig came along, and you know, but we, but with these move with with the Disney movies, we couldn't. We were trying to figure out all sorts of weird, crazy combinations with Disney movies. 
And Richard, I don't know if it was you or me who came up with this exact grouping of movies. I th- I think it was a mutual thing because I think we both sort of wanted to aim towards this era, like the early days and stuff. And then I think it all really came to a head because um, a we're both Disney fans. You're like a Disney historian, so you know more about this than I do. Allison's also a big Disney fan. Like and, yeah, yeah. So it's again, it's like um, it's like Pawn Stars. It's like uh, let me bring in my expert buddy. Yeah, pretty much. And then wait, does that make me like the son? Or <laughs> the son's friend. What's his name? Uh, Chumley. I don't know. I don't want. I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> you're, no, you're you're not Chumley. I could say. I that don't want to be him. You, you, you're, you're, uh, listen, I think between the two of us, we're, we're Rick and like old man. That's Joy, I mean, What are you doing with your life? As I don't know what he talks like. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I've, I've watched way too much Pawn Stars. Is really what I'm trying to say here. But, but we we, we this, got. We got to this point, yeah. Yeah. We got we to got this to th- point. Wanted to talk about the the sort of it's the golden era, the go- the golden age. Yeah, like there there's you know the fans and historians have labeled like certain titles listed in different eras. Like you know it, most people have at least heard of like the Disney Renaissance era, you know, um, which you know like Little Mermaid into you know the nineties and and all that stuff, but. Um, the, the, when people hear the term golden age, they like to broaden it a bit, I feel like, because people like to just randomly include things like, and these are fine movies, but they're not part of this category. Things like Cinderella, things like Peter Pan, Alice in Wonderland. They are not part of that. Technically, those movies that you listed are in the silver age. See, this just make, this just makes me think of comics because uh, like there's the golden age then there's the Silver Age of comics. So that's where my Well, it's all really similar. Mentality, yeah. So that's where my relation comes in. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, when Superman and Captain America and all those cats were like, World War II. Yeah, I'm there. I feel it. World War II was actually a huge catalyst for the whole Disney animation thing. So you're really not far off with the uh, comics comparison. And, fun fact, they would, sell, they would uh, send comic books to soldiers so they can have something to do. In World War II. Sorry. Random fact. Move no, on. you're good. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, aping off what Joey was saying, uh, we're going to be talking about the main films in the Disney Golden Age. I know you guys have already talked about one of these films so far, so we're going to basically be covering the rest of them today. So last episode was a precursor. This is the sequel, kind of. This is well. It's like a prologue leading into like the main attraction kind of thing. That's what I like to think. There you go. That's a good way to put um, it. My my thing I, I wanted to ask um, just just briefly because um, I know the main focus is going to be on the other four movies. But what are your thought your your main your main thoughts on Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? So it is clearly one of the most important films of all time. It was the first feature length animated film in the world. It had full color, full sound, music, everything. It was Disney's opus at the time. It was it, it showed just what animation could really do cuz at the time uh animation was just kind of reserved for cartoons or comics or things like that. This was the first time that animation had ever carried a film, an entire film. And Snow White is a movie that depending on who you talk to, 
they'll either say that, you know, they like it, but they don't watch it all the time, or they really, really like it, or you'll get a bunch of different answers. My thing with Snow White is that I don't watch it, like, obsessively. Like, it's not one of the movies that I put on uh, just in background for whatever reason. But when I watch it, I revere it. Because you get to see all these techniques. You get to see just how well-formed all the characters are. Um, Snow White, for an example, she had almost like a, a test model from one of Disney's Silly Symphony cartoons called The Goddess of Springs. That was like their first time trying to get a realistic human model. And then they made it better when they came back for Snow White. Yeah. So... It's definitely an important film, and uh, it, it's had a lasting impact. It's been adapted and readapted and readapted several times, and I still think that this is the best of the adaptations. Like, a couple years back, there was a Snow White craze where there were two Snow White movies coming out right about the same time, Mirror Mirror and Snow White and the Huntsman. Snow White and the Huntsman, I thought, was ass except for Charlize Theron and except for Chris Hemsworth. Everything else in that movie, I do not remember it, do not recall it, do not ever want to see it again. Mirror Mirror was fun. It was much more fun. But somehow, this little animated movie from the 1930s still reigns supreme as the ultimate Snow White adaptation. And it reigns supreme for a good reason. Yeah, I I think you summed it up. You summed it up really nicely there, um, actually. It's kind of one of those things where even, I mean, for me, speaking for myself, even despite, like, the flaws, I almost admire it even more so with that stuff and just knowing the struggle it took to, you know, to get that to the big screen. Everybody was calling it Disney's Folly. And, you know, and then now if you look at it, if you look at the top 10 highest grossing movies adjusted for inflation, it's still in the top 10. Like, Force Awakens... Force Awakens hasn't didn't crack the top ten. Avengers Endgame didn't crack the top ten. So that just just goes to show you the tremendous impact of that movie. And it probably could have been the highest grossing movie ever in some ways had it not been a family movie because children's tickets, as we know, are significantly cheaper um, in a lot of circles. Um, but Snow White, huge deal. Like this was a huge money maker. They were able it made back its profits and all that and then some in its initial release several times over. They were able to build a new studio, okay? And Walt was really committed at this point like for the feature game. Like he really wanted this to be to catch on and be a big deal. So, what we're going to talk about next is Walt's second feature-length animated film, 1940s Pinocchio. This is one of my good friends. I have a lot of cast member friends, okay? So I have no uh, a cast member friend who... <laughs> uh, so she was a Disney College program. Uh, I can't really say graduate because she unfortunately lost her position in the program when Corona closed everything down. That sucks. She completed it, technically. Yeah. Um, she is the biggest stan of pinocchio that i know so i'm dedicating this segment to her so this is for my buddy um who shall not be named for privacy reasons but she knows she Um, knows who she is pinocchio is one of my favorite golden era films because snow white was the experiment snow white was them trying something new this you can really see that they kind of knew more of what they wanted to do they um had 
less of a silly symphonies vibe and this feels more like its own movie that was the one other thing i was going to mention with snow white is the one criticism that i really have is that it feels like an extended silly symphonies cartoon this feels like an actual movie that's all on its own so that's kind of like where i start off with pinocchio it's it it, it went from great to greater Uh, you know my my big thing when i think about um when i think about the snow white in relation to pinocchio I think about Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. Star Wars comes out, huge deal, is the biggest movie ever, you know, whatever. Big big splash, and then Empire Strikes Back comes out and is like, hold my beer. That's what Pinocchio is, purely on a filmmaking level. Because personally, I prefer Snow White. I'm more emotionally invested personally in Snow White. I can't tell you why, but I just am. But Pinocchio... Techni- technically, it's like they're light years ahead of Snow White. This it's it's hard to believe that Snow White c- came out thirty seven, okay, December thirty seven. Pinocchio comes out nineteen forty, and then they were able to put out another masterpiece that year, which we'll talk about later. But just it just it just feels like a huge, complete facelift and upgrade in literally just every sense. Exactly. You know, it's funny. Like when I think about how I feel about. The relation between those two because i sort of flip-flop between which one i like more because i think there's a lot about snow white that i like from like a from like a just an artistic standpoint from like the animation the the just the drawings the characters and whatnot the songs but then like i watch pinocchio and maybe it's just because of my weird senses but just how illogical that movie is <laughs> is just so entertaining to me like i was like i was watching it for this and i was sending videos to joey of like there's there's a bit and i posted it on instagram too but like there's a bit uh towards the end of the movie when pinocchio is like slowly turning into a donkey he's got the ears he's got the tail and he's underwater so he's a wooden boy with donkey ears and a tail underwater with his cricket underwater (laughs) and he gets into he gets (laughs) he gets stuck in a bubble and the bubble starts filling with water and he freaks out because he's like oh god i'm gonna drown then it pops and he's back underwater (laughs) (laughs) and you're like huh (laughs) but it's but the thing is it's it's so entertaining in that i i can just sit and enjoy like just kind of the ridiculousness of it and it's only something you can do in a cartoon like you can't if pretty much like i know they're gonna do a live action movie with robert zemeckis listen best of luck to you but i i worry i worry wholeheartedly i'm really hopeful about that i'm really hopeful about that adaptation because i actually not too long ago unprompted i was just like i'm gonna watch the italian live action version that recently came out not the roberto benini one i refuse to watch but is it robert is it roberto benini in the new one too or like i if he is i don't remember i think he was somehow involved but this is like the 2021 is not 2021 yeah but the 2020 edition um, I, I rented it, and let me tell you something. This animated cartoon version makes more sense than the other one. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and start off by saying the Jiminy Cricket one in the live action, the one that I saw. Oh my god, ugliest little bastard I've ever seen. Give me the beautiful little, give me the beautiful little, uh, 
<clears throat> ukulele Ike Roach that we have in this one. Not, sorry, he's not a roach, he's a cricket. Uh, Can uh, I ask, though, in that version, does he look at least look like a cricket? No, he looks like a little green... He looks like what I imagine Marvin the Martian looks like without his helmet. Like, if you take off Marvin Martian's helmet, oh, that's what he looks okay. like. This little green, ugly Be- bastard. The thing- He's terrifying. Because <laughs> the thing with Jiminy Cricket is, it's one of those things where... As a kid, you just accept it that his name is Jiminy Cricket, and you accept that he's a cricket. But then you think about it for all of two seconds when you get older, and you're like, this makes no damn sense. This thing is a cricket? Honestly. (laughs) Honestly. It works. It works much better. I'm sure it does. I'm just saying. Cliff Edwards. (laughs) Oh, my God. Cliff Edwards Cricket is much better than whatever monstrosity I saw in the other movie. I did not enjoy that Jiminy Cricket. Because I, I, I was talking with my friend in the book of Pinocchio, like the book that this movie is adapted from, uh, Jiminy Cricket isn't as much of a prominent part of the story, if I recall correctly. Like, he, he he's just kind of there. Disney made the Cricket a bigger part of the story, which, in my opinion great call. Jiminy is one of Disney's iconic characters. Like, he, he doesn't get enough love. You can occasionally see him in the parks. Like, sometimes you'll see him roaming around, or sometimes you'll see him during a parade. Um, but he's hosted. He's done sing-alongs. It, they took Jiminy Cricket, and they used the heck out of him. Um, he did a lot of educational shorts, too. He, he, he was just that big of a star. I remember a computer game that I played when I was, like, 11 or 12 uh it was like disney's villains revenge and and he was the character that like guided you through this because he ripped the pages out of the book like the endings out of the book yes i know and that then game the blue fairy is like what the hell why'd you take the happy endings out you jerk <laughs> now the villains are gonna ruin everything it was i'm paraphrasing but i i just remember i remember that yeah basically <laughs> But, but speaking on the educational stuff, I remember in grade school, uh, this is the early, early 2000s, folks, my health teacher brought in, like, this slideshow thing that had audio, and I remember, I'll never forget, I'm no fool, no siree, I'm gonna live to be 103, like, that's ingrained in my brain, and also, another note for Jiminy Cricket, he has probably the most famous Disney song. Yeah, if you watch any modern um, Disney opening and it has like the digital landscape and the castle, you hear the classic opening to When You Wish Upon a Star. That song is so famous that I I think I remember some years ago, Seth MacFarlane actually got in trouble for trying to uh, parody it. I, I don't remember. Like he tried to parody it with something and it didn't work. So Disney got really mad. I'd need to look into that to get that uh, correct, but... Side note, I couldn't find a picture of... Maybe that. Maybe that's for the better. I will find it and send it to you later. You know, Richard, you might be better off... With the way Allison's describing this thing, you might be better off not seeing this thing. It's like a... Sounds like a live-action version of that alien from the Flintstones. No, no. The Great Gazoo looks better than this cricket does, okay? Gazoo looks better. Uh, so, Ugh. okay, but, but Richard, adding to, like, the, yes. the illogical elements, like... I think about Figaro the cat, right? There's another cat character. It's like the, this is like the classic Goofy and Pluto. <laughs> but this one is like Honest John's uh, best friend this- <laughs> in clothes. And I think he's drunk all the time. Gideon, who, fun fact, is actually voiced by Mel Blanc 
For what little noises very, he makes. Yes, that should be emphasized because he, he does not have a very large vocal presence, but it should be noted that, yes, he is he is in this. That is, It's just funny that, the, <laughs> like, you meet this adorable little kitten, Figaro. Though Figaro also has, like, a conscience, like, in most, or, not, like, I got, like, a... He's awareness essentially, so he like opens and closes the you know like it, like it's a lot of characters in cartoons. So like, what's going on there? <laughs> I feel so bad for Figaro. <laughs> like, I just like Jupiter's like, oh, could you close? I didn't leave the window open. He's like, Figaro's like, I just got in bed. I'm just trying to sleep, old man. Richard, that's literally how I feel. I that's literally how I feel when you you met. I'm in bed, and then you and John start to call me. And you're like, we have the new track. We have the new track. But you're always asking, where's the music? And I'm like, Joey, it's here. I am, but I don't want it at night. I'm sorry. I don't know when you're sleeping. John, I still love you. <laughs> Yes, John. So the funny thing that Figaro has in common with Jiminy is Figaro has also transcended out of this movie. Like, the longest time, he was actually shown as Minnie Mouse's cat. Yeah. Like, he just kind of transcended out of the movie. That's interesting. It is. It, it's a, a bunch of the characters in here went on to star in other Disney things. <laughs> Maybe Figaro realized Geppetto's probably not the best person to take care of hey i will not handle Japano slander in this house okay he's just a lonely old man who never had a family but he just wants Ge- to, he just wants but somebody i'll, to I'll say this geppetto has some of the best lines in pinocchio he does where, he i was does. talking to richard about that earlier where it's just like he hears the noise like who's that and pinocchio goes it's me he's like oh it's just me oh it's, it's you oh! <laughs> i love and that Figaro scene pops out of his beard like reeling oh oh it's wonderful oh my gosh but i i, I another weird thing that I, I always have to bring up with this movie that i i only think about now watching it as an adult versus like when i was a kid watch and i watched it maybe a couple of times the the whole pleasure island thing yeah the fact that there's a, a bit in this movie where an old man steals little boys, specifically little boys, and takes them to a place called Pleasure Island. Yeah. That's bad enough. But then he turns them into donkeys after letting them do terrible things. Yeah, that is that, still one of the darkest... That blows my mind. One of the darkest parts of disney animation ever and let me emphasize the golden age is really dark like the golden age of disney did not hold back with their darkness like uh the animation in snow white just harkening back to that a little bit the scene where she's running around through the forest that still gives me the willies and hell joey and i went on snow white's uh scary adventures at disneyland and i got scared and had to hold on to his arm (laughs) for a dark ride the huntsman just randomly standing in oh, the background. Oh, that's the scariest scene. When that is the scary. That's the second scariest scene in any movie, which we'll talk about the first scariest scene later on. But like that, yeah. nothing. She's like, ah, la la, and you just see the the guy, and he just definitely like, does not look like Chris Hemsworth in the background. Is just standing there, <laughs> just menacing, leaning. Get out of there, Snow White. And then coming back to this, the whole thing with Pleasure Island is frightening the coachman oh my god the coachman is probably the worst disney villain 
out of all of them because he wins. He never gets caught. Yeah. There's no resolution when it the comes boys, to that damn coach. The boys don't get he saved. <laughs> goes on. No, they don't. Like, there's no happy ending for them. And all Pinocchio gets away, and that's all we care about because he's the protagonist. And as long as he and Jiminy make it out, then it's hunky dory. But oh my goodness, when you go back and you think about the implications of Pleasure Island. It's I, bad. I, I need to know those boys I, are I, okay. I actually watching Pinocchio. We didn't all watch these together, but like when watching Pinocchio, I had to fast forward through the donkey stuff. I couldn't. I could. I literally just couldn't take it. I'm like, no, I don't need that. I want to, but like, I want to talk about like some of the the nicer, like the, you know what? We're still on the scary stuff. My favorite thing in the whole movie is Monstro the Whale. Monstro, the Whale. Okay, no, but like. The amount of detail that goes into Monstro is just insane. His movements, the way the way the waves, the waves that are, are generated as he moves around. I love his eyes. I love everything about that creature's design. It is, it, I, it's it is insane that they were able to do that in 1940. Yeah, back in those days, the amount of detail that they had to put into their hand drawn animation to make anything look at all good. It's mind blowing, and it, it the fact that they were able to do it. With, uh, I forget how big the studio was at the time, because like you said, there was a three year difference between Snow White and Pinocchio, and they built a new studio and hired on more staff. Because so they were a lot more prepared for this, but it still takes so much work to render just a single frame of those. Because drawings. at the time of Snow White, when they were making it, I was watching the the Disney um, um, the PBS documentary about him, and they said they had six hundred employees. At, at Disney Studios um, at the time at the time they were making Snow White and I have to imagine they took on way more people after that they'd have to I mean there's the only possible way that they could get this level of workout because uh, I'm forgetting how long is Pinocchio compared to Snow, Snow White? White is eight because Snow White I remember is always a, a short it's movie. 83 minutes Snow White and Pinocchio is like 90 minutes I mean, ten minutes more of hand-drawn animation is a lot. They and from I always remember like hearing as a kid like that the amount of material you know, like this is like I don't know if it was like an urban legend thing or whatever, but the amount of material that they made like pre-production wise for Pinocchio, apparently like if they had used like all the story concepts and stuff, the movie could have been lasted way longer than ninety minutes. Like it, it's 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 like uh, to a runtime where. Like it could have lasted almost like a half day or something like that. It's it's insane what what they were thinking about with this movie. I'm wondering if they're going to bring any of those com uh, uh, those ideas back for the Zemeckis movie because I saw the trailer and I'm very hopeful after having seen the cast. I, I try to take all these Disney live action remakes with a grain of salt. This is one of them where I'm curiously excited for. Hopeful. Is there a trailer for the Zemeckis movie? Not like a real trailer. It's like a teaser. Oh, well, I, don't I think I th was it was it like just a logo or something? Kind of. It was like just a little teaser where it showed a little bit almost like of art, like movie yeah, art. Yeah, I know. But if okay, that's like, the direction so, okay. that Zemeckis is going to stick to, then I'm a little bit more confident than I would be in like some of the others. Like I, 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 I haven't I, I've actually fallen off of watching some of these live action remakes. Like I still haven't seen Mulan and I have not yet watched Cruella just because I have no energy to. Maybe I'll watch them another time. Well, Cruella's coming out for free 
I say free if you're paying for Disney Plus, but like you're paying for Disney Plus, it's coming on the ser- back on the service soon. Speaking of live action Pinocchio's, Guillermo del Toro's got Ewan McGregor as Jiminy Cricket. I'm ready for that. Yeah, that I I'm on board with. I don't care how good the movie is. I just want to see it. <laughs> I want to see it for that. I just want him to make it. This listen. It's one thing if to if he makes the movie, I'll already be happy. And if it's good, I'll be even happier. Same. Very much the same. But we just double check one thing real quick. Um oh, my sprite got splashed into my face. But you know, it, it's I mean this movie it, it, it is such an artistic triumph in, in so many ways. Just like I said, just the three year the three year gap between this and Snow White makes it is just kind of crazy, um, and it's it's also just interesting to note too. Uh, this is a weird thing that the voice of the Blue Fairy, um, she was in a weird movie from the '30s. I think it was the '30s or '40s called uh, Death Takes a Holiday. And it's a movie where she literally pursues a romantic relationship with death. So it's just, you hear like like Thanos. So she, she's you hear the blue fairy <laughs> trying to you know the blue fairy wanting them Infinity Stones. Yeah, I guess so. I guess yeah. <laughs> she's got the blue fairy's got the gauntlets, <laughs> which can grant everyone's wishes. Yeah, I would like to see that alternate <laughs> ending, or I would like to see that in Guillermo del Toro's movie. I don't know. Just make it happen. I just just make the movie Guillermo. This is a message to Guillermo del Toro. But you know what else I really I really like going back to Jiminy Cricket a little bit is that Jiminy Cricket is supposed to be Pinocchio's is Pinocchio's conscience. You know, he's not perfect. <laughs> like, oh no, no. I've had a whole discourse about this with my friends. Like Pinocchio, it, it like Pinocchio just kind of picks him out. Jiminy Cricket breaks into the house just because he needs a place to stay. He's not there looking for anything. Jiminy just kind of sticks his nose into somebody else's business, and that's how the Blue Fairy is like, okay, you want to do it? Yours conscience now. Here's your nice new suit and your hat. Go for it. Exactly. He just kind of walks into it not knowing what's going on. And Jiminy tries throughout the whole movie. He just is trying. He's doing his best. It makes me think more of, like, maybe just because of my job, but it makes me think of, like, a manager-employee relationship. Like, <laughs> you're doing this wrong, Pinoc! <laughs> you gotta adjust it like this! And then your manager is just like, oh, look! A parade! <laughs> no, it, That's one of my favorite truth, moments. Though. It's just like, he just doesn't see it, then he's like, wait a second! That's my boy! <laughs> I'll say this, I love my managers, but that's 100% the truth. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I reiterate, I love my managers. Um, you know, Pinocchio, uh, this is like the long thread with basically all of these except one of them. Uh, Pinocchio did not do well, financially speaking, because the f- uh, the European markets were closed because of World War II. Snow White was able to come out in 37, pre, you know, pre-World War II in 39. And yeah, it's it was, you know like these these movies were were big movies you know for especially for a studio like disney that they didn't put out a lot of features it's not like they were like an mgm or warner brothers where they were just putting out movie after movie they were putting out you know yeah there was it was a big output for a, a studio an animated studio but still like you're you're spending that much money and you don't get the return on investment in that initial release it's it can be crippling 
Especially when you're about to go into one of the biggest wars of all time and have your movie studio turned into a propaganda factory, but that's a story for another segment. Yeah. But, you know, Pin- Pinocchio, um, I think overall, it, it, I think it's a, it is a great movie. It, technically speaking, it is just a triumph. I think about um, the, the shot, like the sweeping shots over the little village, uh, over like Pinocchio's village that are just still so impressive. Or when, um, you know, the, you know, high diddly D where you see the over the, the shots where you see them, you know, from, you know, bird's eye point of view going through going through the town. Um, just so many great things. Just the blue fairy is, is like is beautifully animated and is clearly an improvement on like a regular human model which is weird to say because she's a fairy it's just really silly that's what i love about it it's well just it's ridiculous. a fairy tale it's, it's not meant to be taken it's, seriously it's, it's but i i don't i don't i don't mean it as like a as like a downgrade or anything it, i mean it more like, com, like going back to the comparison between that and snow white snow white you can tell they were like they they were just trying it out for the first time like okay we're gonna go for it we're gonna we're gonna put this out there and then with Pinocchio, it's like, all right, we were successful. Let's go ham. Let's just let's just re- let's just unleash the lions. See what happens. And you know, obviously, with the unfortunate nature of bad things happening in history, um, it didn't work well out financially. But people still talk about it. People still revere it. It's well, still yeah. a much beloved movie. We're going to get to that too, but like, you know, home video and the the constant re-releases made these some of the most just successful movies in later years. Um, but yeah, Pinocchio, I think it is a, is a really great like fairy tale very much and almost, you know, just it's kind, it's kind of dark, but it's like it gets very <laughs> dark to say to you, hey, don't do that, guys. Hey, kids. See, it's, all, it's almost like it is. <laughs> Don't be bad. It's like a it's Make like a good dr- choices. It's like a drug PSA from the eighties. It's, it's <laughs> this is your brain. <laughs> this this is, is your brain on drugs. This is your brain My when you're on Pleasure Island. Yeah. <laughs> no one wants that. Listen, a big note: when an old man comes up to you and says, "Want to go to Pleasure Island?" Say no and call nine one one. Just run. Don't even ask questions. Just run. Just yeah. Um, I, I think that's about it for Pinocchio, at least. I don't know if that, uh, yeah, anyway, but Disney, Disney did put out another feature length movie that same year. And you think maybe, oh, they're just going to take a little break. Maybe it's like a lighter movie, you know, it's just, yeah, no, this is arguably more ambitious. And I think even today, when you look at this thing, you're like, what are you? <laughs> It's, it's, you can't really call, I don't call it a movie. It's hard to call it a movie. It's more like an experience. Yeah. You know what it's, I mean? It was Disney's experiment, too. Like, this was something that they wanted to try and was hoping it would catch on. And, Joey, what are we talking about? You do the intro. You do it. Well, uh, we are talking about um, Walt Disney's Fantasia. Okay. Fantasia. Uh, is it was a big is a big deal, you know. It's a very it's almost I, I would almost say it's the most like highbrow of these five films because they're all the other ones are all like are, are like based on some type of like story or children's story. They got the cute you, animals. You you can see how those ones could be like looked at 
like it feels like traditional Disney in retrospect. You know what I mean? Like you see these types of movies in future releases from other creators. Like you think Disney could just make those in their sleep, whereas this, like they tried this, they tried this one other time, and you it know, was a sequel. It's many, many, many years later. Uh, but Fantasia, this is not. I mean, the other one has a story about a, a wooden boy who, you know, um, want, you know, they they need to get him to be a real boy. This is uh, they call this Fantasia, the concert feature, where there are many many pieces of just classical uh, uh, many pieces of great music uh and different animated segments um you know animated segments that go along with each piece and it's hosted uh by i believe he was like a music critic and he was a big deal in the music um thing was was deems taylor who's uh funny enough his voice is completely completely dubbed over for ba- i believe all releases of fantasia because a lot of his voice tracks are lost and he's dubbed over by Corey Burton. So you are seeing Deems Taylor, but you are not actually hearing Deems Taylor when you watch Fantasia. It's kind of easy to tell, though, at least when you like when you watch it, you know, because just things don't sync up right, and the voice seems a bit, you know what I mean? I was saying, to his credit, Corey Burton does an amazing job, and he's done so much voice work that he, he does deserve the shout-out for coming back and, you know, helping to preserve the rest of the performance rather than have the whole thing be lost. That is nice. Yeah. This this movie, I think one of the big deals with this movie was Fantasound, which, as I understand it, was sort of like an early precursor to stereo. Like, a lot of old movies are mono, <clears throat> and for the time, this was huge, but the thing was, most movie theaters would not be able to afford that kind of upgrade that was just prohibitively expensive. So, one of the big things they did with Fantasia was it was a roadshow attraction. We don't talk about ro- the term, like, roadshow too much on on this show but like roadshow like it's like a movie experience that they take you know sort of they kind of tour it and it's like a, it's it's, it's a, like it's like a band going on con- like it's a band going on tour kind of thing like when you see like when you go to a concert yeah and the tickets are more expensive like it's like when kevin smith d- takes his movies on roadshow he doesn't really do normal re- doesn't really do normal releases nationwide releases no. anymore as far as i understand he does ro- the roadshow thing where people <laughs> got, pay a premium he got screwed over by studios too much to like let them do so he just does it himself mm-hmm. he has that he has that pull now so he can do that yeah, yeah he can just he can just do that but tarantino you know, does it Tar- i didn't i think he did it with the hateful eight Sort of like a roadshow kind of thing. That wouldn't surprise me. Tarantino would be the kind of guy to, to do something like that. Um, but yeah, there, there's just, I mean, I think one of the big things too with this movie is that when people talk about like our, like at least our generation and older generations exposure to classical music, it's often attributed to things like Looney Tunes, Tom and Jerry. And I would also put this movie is definitely a big one. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, even just that first one. Uh, which uh, you hear you hear associated a lot with like horror characters, like Dracula or something. Takata, you know, like. Takata and Fugue in in, uh, in D minor. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nutcracker plays mm-hmm. very very well known. Which um, f- funny enough, they even pointed out there's not a single sign of the traditional Nutcracker. Uh, visuals that you'd normally find they they go very abstract and kind of have like the almost like this springtime change like with the fairies and everything so this is definitely the most abstract movie that's sort of the fun thing about it is that 
like there's there's stories like there's little shorts like you can almost categorize it as an anthology movie so there's like obviously the ver- the most famous one the sorcerer's apprentice with mickey mouse obviously you see that in the cover and pretty much every fantasia anything um or like bald mountain you see uh chernabog on the big old mountain so like there's things like that but the, ultimately a lot of them are just abstract strange images or things that like the very first one is literally which i think is was kind of a cool idea to open it essentially going okay we're going to sort of build into the animation and it's going to sort of be what we imagine you would see when you're listening to music at a concert so we're going to so like it's going to be like in this sort of clouded area and you'll see strings and you'll see the tips of the the violin bows and so there's even literally a whole seg- sequence later in the movie where it's just like a wave of sound that's, that's just that, fully the, animated. After the intermission, the the meet the soundtrack. There's that's an, slightly mute. One of the few parts where they try to do comedy. You know. Fun fact: <laughs> uh, This is the only Disney movie to have an intermission. And it's the longest Disney movie, Di- um, Disney animated studios film. Um, two hours. Over two. It's it's a little over two hours. Four minutes, something like that. Something, yeah, whatever. It, it is over two hours though, so it's like close to the runtime of like the original Star Wars, just to put it in perspective. Like, um, and it, it, it's also just kind of like I remember watching this as a kid too, but I remember I'll never forget the VHS cover of Fantasia, partly because I still own it on VHS, but also because you guys, I'm sure you're familiar with the the Disney clamshell cases. They're white, they're white cases, and they got the beautiful covers and all that stuff. Fantasia wasn't white though. It was a black, um, black uh, uh, clamshell, and the cover was was, and it almost, I almost looked like I'm like, am I supposed to be watching this? Is this for, is this for is this for adults? What what is going on? Did you get it from the curtain section of the blockbuster, Joey? You're not supposed to go in there. <laughs> no, no, I did not. I, well, no, don't go in that section, Joey. You're not old uh, enough. Uh, I, I I did I did not. Um, <laughs> But it, it just it just shows you like like it's 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 a hard movie to it's a hard movie to market and it's also just um it just an intriguing it's an intriguing and also just to go off of like you know spicier topics um there there's <laughs> there's a re-release like back in like the sixties or seventies back when people were trying let's just say experimental substances and um I I had I worked with someone who went when they were a kid and they remembered people reacting to Fantasia because they were on these, <laughs> on these substances. We're not advocating for any of this kind for any of this kind of stuff. We're, I'm just saying this was something this was, they were, this was almost part of the marketing of this movie. Cause if you find it, it's this really beautiful, like psychedelic poster Chernobogs on the, on this, on bald mountain. And you see like the peg, the Pegasus and like, like flying around. It's such a lot. It's like very colorful, crazy, definitely poster. What year of was that this? era? This was probably the 60s or 70s, maybe the 70s, I want to say. I mean, when you think about, like, literally, when, like, the first thing I think about when I hear any of these pieces of music, for most of them anyway, is Disney, mm-hmm. of course. Especially Night and Bald Mountain is used a lot in different things, too. But I, oh, I first yes. thing I think about is Chernabog. But it's also, uh, the Night and Bald Mountain is also an interesting one, too, because um, uh, uh, the composer, uh, Modest Mazorski, whatever his name is um mm. he he died before he could finish it <laughs> damn <laughs> and That's sad. um but, but and so it adds like a more haunting quality to that to that music is that why they did like 
Because isn't it like two separate pieces of music? Well, there's two. Well, that the finale is two things. It's it's Night and Bald Mountain, and then the Ave Maria. Though I think Night and Bald Mountain was finished by somebody, but I just think the two, the two pieces like it was just a nice clash of of good and uh, good and evil. But I've talked about this a lot. I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this. It does feel like it, whenever I watch it, it's one of those movies that like for people that hate Disney are like really snobbish. Like, but I like Fantasia. It's when they tried something. Hmm. They just thumb in their nose at us, like. <laughs> or it's like it's like when like people are like I don't like comic book movies, but that Dark Knight movie, it's a crime drama, guys. It's a crime drama. It's not a <laughs> that comic one. Book that movie. one's that one's. It, listen, even though he's wearing a bat suit, it's it's like The Godfather. Okay, you understand. <laughs> Serpico with Batman. <laughs> <laughs> okay, as a massive Godfather fan, I don't know what to feel about that comparison. Did somebody actually make that comparison to you in real life, or did you just make that up? That's uh, that's that's everywhere. I mean, because well, it's one of it's one of those movies where I feel like if you watch The Dark Knight at a certain age, it it feels like the greatest thing that ever came out. And if you still think it is, that's fine. I'm not trying to judge anybody, but like. It, that, that their minds are blown and the, and it's like it's not like a regular comic book movie you know i put that in air quotes we know there's a lot of different kinds but like it's not like a regular well, traditional s- i think superhero movie is a better term because comic book movie could be like a whole other thing yeah it's it's not it's like history of violence is a comic book movie. I still don't sure know how I feel about you know that comparison. I mean? sure road tradition is a comic book well, whatever regardless fantasia Fa- fantasia is not Jungle Book. Fantasia is not Pinocchio. Fantasia is not Frozen. Fantasia is not Moana. It's not like anything else except maybe Fantasia 2000. And even then, that's tangentially related. It's still. I don't think I've even seen Fantasia 2000, if I'm being honest. I have a guilty pleasure liking of Fantasia 2000, predominantly because they use Rhapsody in Blue for one of their opening pieces, and I'm a horrible jazz fiend. I love jazz. So so they sort of reeled you in that way. That's the best scene in the whole movie. In that whole movie is the Rhapsody in Bloom. Here's the thing. Fantasia um, 2000 was an attempt to recapture what this was. Fantasia is lightning in a bottle. It it was like it still remains one of Disney's greatest hits whenever people talk about it. Like I have found it very hard to find somebody who will say anything negative about uh the Fantasia film because it it's got a little piece for everyone like i I, everybody has kind of like their favorite segments and that's something that i do want to ask each of you what yours is um it's hard to criticize fantasia because it is just so different but it's so beautiful and the animation is just off the wall beautiful like we were talking about monstro and how good he looked this is right up there in my opinion i'll I will I will I will say this and this is just for me personally I have to be in the mood to watch this. Like that's not like a like a downplay of it at all but like if I'm not in the mood to see it I get kind of bored with it cuz no, it is just kind no, of but again, the whole thing. Again that plays into what I was saying before like this is not Moana, this is not Frozen, this is not Jungle Book, this is not Beauty and the Beast where you can just pop it on and watch it willy-nilly. Okay? Like you really need to be in that you need to be ready. And if you're not, because, like, I'll admit, like, when I was trying to watch it for this, I, like, at the time, I wasn't really, like, feeling it at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm like, because like, I'm like, oh, I like the Sorcerer's Apprentice bit. I like Bald Mountain. You know, I like those stuff. But 
you know, when it gets to like some of the more abstract stuff, I'm like, I feel so bad whenever this happens, but like, I'll go on my phone mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'll start like, like, oh, Joey's sending me a message. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> something on Instagram. What's this? Well, let me go back to my previous point then. Um, what was your favorite segment? Like when you rewatch this, like what is the one where it's like, I can't skip this? What do you, what would you say, Joey? Well, can, I'm going to give my answer in a multi-part statement and try to condense it as much as I can. Um, for time or just because you want to? But part both. A little bit of both because, you know. Okay. But because um, right. I'm going to be that guy and just say, I like all of them. But also, like, no. There, 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 are, <laughs> there, are, there are definitive, like, definitive ones that I really enjoy. You know, um, mm. Sources Apprentice is one I really enjoy because, you know, everybody talks about how Mickey doesn't have a personality. And they talk about how Mickey Mouse. Do, do they? Oh, yeah. Yep, it's a yes. huge discourse. Weird. And which, that's very weird. Oh, or like that he's like boring, you know. Just but like in this one, okay, I'm not saying like he's like doing any Shakespeare theatrics here, but like you know, he doesn't listen to Yin said the wizard, okay, the sorcerer, excuse me. No. He doesn't listen to that guy. <laughs> and he just does his own thing. And he breaks the rule. <laughs> he he breaks the rules. He's he's kind of I don't know. Maybe I, I have little knowledge in this, but he's kind of he's kind of Chaplin esque a bit in like the performance. Yeah, you're maybe yeah, not, you're not Tramp, wrong. but like, am I like? Is that a pretty? I think so. But also, um, Alice, I also wanted to. I want. I was thinking about this the other day, because um, this this version of Mickey Mouse, I think, is very influential. Because is this the first appearance of that like design? To That's your knowledge. What... That's what I was trying to look up before we started recording because prior to this, and it, it's either this or Mr. Mouse takes a holiday in which uh, Mickey Mouse is on a train um, trying to go somewhere with Pluto, but Pluto's not allowed on the train. That's a great short. This is really close to the transitional period from Mickey just having, you know, his old, oldest design to. I guess his version of the Silver Age design. Um, his Sorcerer's Apprentice uniform, of course, is iconic as Richard is holding up the Sorcerer's Apprentice Disney Infinity figure and reminding and me... And I'm playing that, the music in my head. <laughs> reminding <laughs> me that I miss Disney Infinity with all my heart. Um, yeah, We've ranted about this. Mickey, actually, going back to our original lore, we all quote-unquote met on Disney Infinity. That's how Joey introduced me to Richard as we were all playing a game of Disney Infinity together. So there's that. Um, so we'll have to, when we're in Hollywood Studios, we'll have to visit that section because it's like vacant. <laughs> it's just a mem- mem- in memoriam. In memoriam. Of Disney Infinity. But with the Mickey discourse thing, yes, this is a bit more of a show of his personality because Mickey over the years has maintained kind of not the same personality, but depending on his situation, he's either like ultimate good guy, ultimate nice guy, ultimate pal, ultimate friend, or like in the case of Source's Apprentice, he's got a little bit of a mischievous side. Not ill will or nothing malicious, but it's just like, you know, he's having fun when he's making this magic and making the brooms do what he they, he wants them to. He's having a fun time while he's doing it. So... I mean, I, th- I think if anyone... I think it's a relatable thing too. If anyone could figure out a way to like 
you know, get a broom to come to life and have them do their chore for them. Yeah. I mean, um, but, but to answer your question, Allison, um, I, uh, judging by the timeline, I'm sure Fantasia was in development far before Mr. Mouse takes a holiday, uh, or Mr. Mouse takes a, whatever the, sorry, uh, makes, Mr. Mouse takes a trip, but like, that's it. That short came out before, that, that short came out before Fantasia, but if I had to guess, the design probably came about for Fantasia first, at least as far as like the development process. But yeah, we'll like that design it, is like we'll call it a draw. Uh, a draw. We'll call it, you know, it, it's around. It's a. <laughs> but I have no opinion. Um, on it. To, to quickly go through my answer because that's I don't know if that's my favorite. Like in the pastoral sequence, I love the, I love the Pegasus. Okay, I just I I I love that design. Mm-hmm. I particularly oh love, the Greek like, mythology the black, scene. Black, yeah, the black Pegasus design. I love the music in that. Didn't I give you one of those for pop vinyls? You gave me Peter Pegasus, and he's a I little. Did. He's I a remember. tiny pop. <laughs> he's he's the cutest thing, and I one of my favorite things. He's trying to fly this little guy, and and like his mom raises his butt because he's because his butt's like falling down as he's flying or whatever. And at one point, he just looks at his butt angrily, and he lifts himself up. And he's like, fly, you know, but the adult black Pegasus, <laughs> we could do this. But his dad, like the adult Pegasus, like with the, the black coating and all that, like that, I love that design. If I could get that as a statue, I would. But for the best sequence, it's the cliche answer, Night on Bald Mountain, because when I was rewatching this whole movie, I was like, you know, you have to be in the right mood. And I was doing chores and stuff while we, I was watching Fantasia. I could not get away from the screen when Night on Bald Mountain and the Ave Maria came on. I had chills. And I was just watching it in broad daylight, you know, do, minding my own business during the day and whatever. And you, you can't help but get enveloped by the whole the whole thing. And it's just the primal, like, the good versus evil. Like, you see evil incarnate ravaging through this town. And then you hear the bells. And you see, and you see the light. And you hear the chorus. And, like cathedral it's that that's that's those are my that's my three-part answer but not another cathedral <laughs> sorry that's that is my that is my multi-part um answer that's a good answer Thaddeus DeAngelis didn't leave me umbrellas at his will <laughs> um I would probably concur with Joey that was probably the one sequence outside of Sorcerer's Apprentice I was like I'm gonna watch this. This is fun. I've enjoyed this. Um, though it's funny to watch it now because I was telling Joey, I was like, "This is probably the closest Disney has gotten to like making an R-rated <laughs> animated movie." <laughs> there is nudity. Oh yeah, it's there, just there, really scary. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, um, but it's, uh, to change the end to like look at I like I do admittedly like some of the more abstract ones I mean I like the character ones and like the the more silly ones like the the hippos and the alligators like that's just strange Dance the in hours. a fun way yeah but um but I do like the I I, I I always like the ideas when like the like the soundtrack shows up or like what what music looks like in your head when you're listening to it kind of thing like it's just it's it's an idea that on paper could be risky, but they did it anyway, because why not? It's animation. We could probably pull it off this way. So I got, I, I, I respect that a lot. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that from an artistic standpoint of just saying, we can do this. And so I would probably go with some of those ones. 
I do like the the Greek mythology one. Like just like some of the imagery is really cool, though it does make me think of like like a prototype Hercules a lot to the point where I'm like, was Hercules like a weird spinoff idea kind of thing? Just like Hercules never shows up, but like they're centaurs and they don't have nipples, just like in, <laughs> in the one. Zeus has kind of he's not blue, but he's kind of a similar like hairstyle going. Um. So like it just maybe it just makes me think of that a little bit, but uh, traditionally I would say Bald Mountain, but I want to just change it for this particular conversation. Yeah, but I would normally are, say Bald Mountain. Those two are like the cliche favorites, but they are cliche favorites for good reason. Like you each yeah. did mention like my other favorites because like I, I I'm eliminating Sorcerer's and Apprentice and Night on Bald Mountain from my answer because they're there. It's too easy. It's just too easy. Mm-hmm. Um. Pastoral Symphony is, of course, amazing because of the whole Greek mythology aesthetic that they have, and it it, it is very reminiscent of Hercules. Like it, they very well could have influenced each other, and I I would have to go back into looking into Hercules's production to see how much of that they did draw from it. Right. Um. Like the some of the character designs are kind of striking. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Like you can see it. Like maybe there was a heavy inspiration there. I, yeah. I did love the fact that you brought up kind of a little bit of the risque factor because they have like little naked cherubs. There are a couple topless centaurs. They're, Disney they're got butts. away with murder back then as far as it came to like, like little... drawing. <laughs> they got away with so much. Before before we get away from the pastoral sequence, it's also the one moment from Fantasia that is altered to where you can't see something that was originally there in the frame. Are you guys familiar with Sunflower? Yep. Yeah, I think so. Yep. Yeah. Um, for the better. It's it's kind, it's for the bad. You know, I get it. I mean, I'm the kind of person that just says release things unaltered, and they have they have the disclaimer in front of Fantasia anyway because there's other. Um, other they com- have this too. Yeah, and they have. We talked about. Yeah, that? they you have the, about the, that in your video. The stories matter thing. Yeah, uh, the disclaimer. Uh, but keep going. I just wanted to briefly mention that. Um, you know. Yeah, for for the best that that particular piece was maybe the 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 rest of it though is fantastic and I love listening to the actual music. Like I'll listen to the Fantasia soundtrack up and down. Like I'll listen to the music. Um, and then there's Dance of the Hours, which is the sequence with the ostriches, the hippos, the elephants, and of course the crocodiles. Like that whole ballet sequence is so absurd, but somehow they make you believe that these giant hippos and elephants can do ballet. And it, it, it's um, there was a gift shop at the Disneyland Hotel for the longest time that was themed to the Dance of the Hours. Uh, and Fantasia, I think Joey and I took you there, and that was where we got your Trader Sam's shirt. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Yes. But those are my two favorites outside of um, Sorcerers of Apprentice and Night on Bald Mountain, just because th- those, I think, are the best that highlight it. There's only really one sequence in Fantasia that I do end up skipping just because it doesn't. it's not my favorite piece of music. And Joey, you're gonna hate me for it. It's not my favorite animation sequence. Is this the the the, the right the right of spring? Uh, the, yeah. the dinosaurs. I like it well you know enough. What's funny? But when comparison to the rest of them, I just end up skipping it. And I like seeing the diorama in Disneyland of the Stegosaurus fighting the Tyrannosaurus yes. Rex better. Yeah. Anyway, I just think it's funny you assume yeah. Joey would ever hate you. <laughs> like. 
When well, I know like, how much when, he loves that sequence on the train. When he's not showing me stuff in his man cave, he's talking about you. <laughs> so oh, I minute. wanted to bring that up. I wanted to Hold find on, a way to bring this up. Said. I, I will say when I listen to the music, I do skip it. I watch it every time in the movie. Um, and I just love vintage dinosaurs. I'm actually part of a Facebook group that just shares pictures of vintage dinosaurs. And I, I'm all for scientific accuracy and all that, but it's just so cool seeing, like, a classic, like, Charles Knight Brontosaurus or, like, what a, you know, what they used to think a T-Rex looked like and stuff without feathers, you know. It's cool just for the nostalgia factor. But, like, Stravinsky was the only composer who was alive at the time of Fantasia's release. And he was pissed at how, how they handled um, his, his music in the movie. Uh, from what I remember in a commentary track. What is this? Yeah. So, you're, so you it, 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 I actually work? was like, wait a minute. I hope she, she's going to say uh, the, the right of spr- you know, right spring or whatever because I, I want to bring that in because Stravinsky was not I happy. mean, here's the thing. It's fine. It's not bad. It's just the piece of music that I don't necessarily need to watch every single time. Like, I need to watch Rite of Spring every single time. I need to watch The Sorcerer's Apprentice. I need to watch Dance of the Hours. Those are the ones I need to see. Right of Spring, I just have it on the background. That's usually when I type up my notes for, oh, I'm going to appear on a podcast later. Should probably have something to say. I also want to bring up, too, when you when you listen to this at home, not on Disney+, Plus because I don't think they have this option on Disney+, Plus, but I think on the Blu-ray and on the Legacy CD, there are two versions of the Fantasia soundtrack you can listen to. Are you guys aware of this? No, I'm not. I don't remember this. So... When Fantasia was re-released, I think in the 80s, I'm looking, I, I and I know this because I looked through the Fantasia CD, they re-recorded the music for Fantasia uh, with Erwin er- Kostal, Kostal, who, um, in the original, it was Leopold Stokowski and, and the Philadelphia, I think that was it the Philadelphia, Philadelphia yeah. Yeah. So, Orchestra, um, that, that's who they, that's who did it in the original, but Erwin, Erwin Kostal, did the music um, for that 1980s re-release. And it's actually, like, I don't know if I would ever watch it with the movie, but it's nice to listen to it by itself because it's a newer recording. It's a digital stereo recording. So it's sound, it has a different, is a different kind of sound. And I think you can listen to that on the Blu-ray. I have to double check, but I think you could listen to that version on the Blu-ray if you're curious. They might, you know, I don't know if they say it as a bonus feature but it's it might just be there as another track. It's well, it doesn't it doesn't mention it on here, but it does say and more, so it might be part of the and more stuff. Probably, yeah. you know, I'm, that might be something I have to look into after this. But needless to say, Fantasia did not perform well in its initial release, as we've said a few times. Um, but it did. It is the 24th highest grossing movie when you adjust it for inflation. Just shows you how successful it was in its re-releases. It's a movie that we have, we all have great admiration for, as we've discussed. We all enjoy it for, di- you know, different sequences and different reasons. It's a wonderful introduction to the world of classical music. And I think, you know, I was reading a review on this movie, and it's like, guys, don't think your kids are, are dumb. Expose them to things. Let them try different things. You don't need to put on, I hate to be dogging on Frozen. Froze, don't put on Frozen for the 15th time that day. I honestly thought you were going to go with, like, Paw Patrol or something, or some sort of, like, modern... See, Joey knows I'm a massive Frozen fan, so he has to get on my ass about liking it. <laughs> I also, I don't know what you said, but I know you're mad at me right now. <laughs> Sorry, I, I talked over. Look, I 
I am a humongous Frozen fan. I am an apologist. I love it, okay? Man, you know, but listen, listen. Um, I'm lost in the woods, so how about we take a break? <laughs> what if everybody the thinks they're comedian. Let's take a break. In uh, summer. We, we can, uh, uh, this episode will be coming out in the summer anyway, but uh, we're going to take a break. We talked about the first two films. When we come back, we're going to talk about the remainder of the golden age of Disney animation. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. In our last segment, we were talking about the first half, sort of, uh, at least of this episode, of the golden age of Disney animation. And now we are going to finish that off with our next two movies. The first one being, what is it, Joey? Our first one, well, it's, uh, let's see. It's this little movie. (laughs) Were you not ready again? About this little guy, about a little boy, little 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 uh, little little, uh, little pachyderm, okay, named Gifford, named Gifford, <laughs> Gifford, <laughs> Gifford the flying elephant, coming <laughs> down is Ricardo, Ricardo is here, Ricardo is here. We're talking about Love Dumbo. It's get, let's get ready to Dumbo. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to Dumbo! Wow. I think that's a new record for us going off the rails. Anyway, Joey's Whoa. right. We are talking about the classic little story about the little elephant that could, Dumbo. Uh, the original one came out in 1941, and it's it's a short movie, but it has a huge impact. It, it's, it's one of my favorites, but I can't... I have to be in a certain mood to watch it for a reason that we're going to talk about coming up. But I love this movie. And there's a lot of good stuff in it that I just really, really do enjoy. Nods. Nods aggressively. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll keep talking. I need need to pull up my... Oh, yeah. It is is short. Like, it is this an hour. This movie, I feel like... It is. It. I almost feel like I don't even call it a feature in some ways. I call it a long short. Like yeah. this is an hour long, not quite. This silly is an episode sip. of TV. It's an episode of t- TV. It's sixty-four minutes long. It's pretty darn short. But also, this thing has a huge impact, and obviously because of the theme parks and all that. But we'll get to that later. But more importantly than that, for the t- for the two dudes, okay, when Richard when Richard came to my house for the first time 
All right. <laughs> oh no. At the our our offerings in our guest room, as far as our our vast VHS collection, we only offered him two movies. Okay. Yeah. Now these are this the two true. movies that you would definitely take with you on a desert i a deserted island. Okay. And he had a VHS player. <laughs> these two films are the Marlon Brando classic Viva Zapata, and then this movie Dumbo. So. And then I promptly put a one star review on Hotels.com. <laughs> like this is it <laughs> where's the rest of it but but now but now that that vhs section is stocked because it's got i don't want to say all every disney movie that was available on vhs but it's got a lot of them it's got a lot of them on vhs including the all one the star movies. review worked then it did it did it really bit me in the butt <laughs> it lit a fire and now next time <laughs> we'll have options well so Dumbo. This is an interesting one because it is. I also f- just feel bad for this movie too, because let's let's let me let me lay the pl- playing field. Okay, we have Snow White, which was such an insanely groundbreaking movie for the studio. Pinocchio arguably tops it. Fantasia is the weird artsy child that is like, oh my gosh, it's doing so many weird things. And then you got Dumbo, which is. A, a more a much more modest movie than what we're, we were previously used to, as far as what we were talking talking about this episode. Yeah, and it you know it's a very very short movie, and I'm not trying to say any of these bad things because I think it's a fine movie. And then it's got the the race the race um, the race elements at the, at the end, which I, I'll never forget that rumor when people were saying, "Oh, they're going to cut that out once it gets to Disney Plus," and I'm like, "Bruh." That's literally, you literally are taking out the climax of the movie if you take out those elements. It's he, he just learns there. to fly because yeah. of that. Like, That's the whole shtick of like Dumbo what? is he's a flying elephant. A- admittedly, I never got the connection when I was a kid that the ki- that the crows were supposed to be representative of something. I never got it. I just thought like, oh, they're mean to Dumbo and then they help him. They're good guys. Right. That's all I got when I was a kid. It's one of those weird things where it'll fly over your head when you're young. Fly over your head. <laughs> that was that was an accident. Um, but when you get older and you're aware of, of it, the Beats joke that I made earlier. <laughs> oh, Joey, did you see that? <laughs> oh no, that was bad. Um, yeah, I, I'm. I understand why that would be discussed that they would take out the crows. Because, you know, it, it's, it, it doesn't age well, but at the same time, those crows end up helping Dumbo and become almost like, you know, they're, they're his mentors and heroes. They help him. So, and, and with like the disclaimer thing that Disney's put on some of these older films, they're like, we understand that it, it wasn't right then, not right now, but let's make it a discussion to make things better in the future. And yep. I like that. They're trying. Mm-hmm. And rather than just erase things, except for things that, you know, should be definitely left behind, like we were talking about with Sunflower. Yeah, because I, I, I'm I'm of the mindset where I'm like, listen, put a disclaimer what, what you need to put a disclaimer on, like, because hiding it away almost makes it revered. Like, I think about I think about that with Song of the South. And mm-hmm. like, I think that's kind of the, the big thing with Song of the South is because it's been hidden away so long it has like this legendary status and it's like it's it's and when in actuality it's a really boring movie it's, it's yeah it's, it's problematic boring but boring <laughs> i'll 
I'll never, I'll never forget when I was working at my video store when this guy came in and I don't even know how the conversation started, but he went on this whole thing about why he was mad that Song of the South isn't like available Mm -hmm. and like why, you know, all this and like, like I've literally, sorry, sorry, microphone. I didn't mean to hit you. Um, like I had no underst I didn't really know what it was. If I'm being honest at the time, I didn't know what the implication was. I just remember this guy going on and on and on. This is like 2013 about why he was sad that song of the South is not available in other formats or why he can't get it. And I'm like, dude, I don't really care. If I'm being honest, I'm sorry that your 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 problematic movie is not available to you at the moment. Maybe down the line, but I doubt it. Now, please go away. See, there was an opportunity where they could have released it. When they put out these like Disney Treasures box sets years ago, mm. where they had stuff like I do remember those yeah. Mickey Mouse's black and white cartoons, Donald Duck's cartoons, the complete Goofy. They had the wartime um, the wartime propaganda stuff, you know, and. They they even when with like three little pigs they they had like an introduction by Leonard Malton who talked about like the 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 anti semitism that's presented in that short you know mm-hmm. um but it it, it it I I just think it should these things should be available but Dumbo it it's unfortunate because it has a lot of things going against it um just it's it's really it's it's siblings around its time are like massive insane big budget movies but. Another little thing with Dumbo was, other than Snow White, it was the only one of those movies in its initial release to turn a profit. It was the only one. And um, I, th- I I like, it's a very bright movie. It's very colorful. I like the music. I love K- Casey Jr. Is, is a bop. I love it. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> well, I'm also thinking of, like, the Pink Elephant sequence. That is something that's yeah. almost transcended, almost into vernacular, like... It, it, you know, if people are having a trip, they say they're seeing pink elephants. And the then pink the, the pink elephant scene has even made it into Phantasmic. Not to be confused with the movie we were just talking about. Phantasmic is a show that's available at both Disneyland and Walt Disney World. One of their park shows. And uh, actually, I forget. Is there a pink elephant sequence in the Walt Disney World one? I don't remember Disneyland? because the Disney World one is, is so crappy. It, it's it like it, uh, I'm glad it's closed right now because they need to do a hell of a job to improve it. There's no excuse. Like if it, it, I'm glad I never took it to you because it's it's kind of an it's kind of embarrassing, honestly, as like a show, um, the Disney World one. Just just how much it has aged and it's just not great. But beyond beyond that, like yeah, Pink Elephants is a great. Let's get to sequence. the happy stuff that we the, like. What? I was saying, let's get to the happy stuff that we like about this movie. We we started off with the dark stuff, like the uncomfortable stuff. Let's get to the good stuff, because this is a good yes, movie. I uh, love it. It's you know, it it's very colorful. I mean, Verna Felton plays an elephant in the movie, and she would go on to play an elephant in uh, Jungle Book many years later. And she would also um, <laughs> she would play you know fairy. I think she played fairy god- godmother if I'm not mistaken. Ver- uh, she Verna was the Felton, fairy right? godmother in Cinderella, and one of my other favorite roles. She's also the queen of hearts in Alice in Wonderland. So Verna Felton yes. is one of those uh, legendary Disney voice actors. Oh, and Verna Felton uh, was also Aunt Sarah in Lady and the Tramp. 
if I remember. Was she that also in? Was she one of the fairies in uh, Sleeping Beauty as well? Yes, or was Flora. Thinking of someone else, Flora. No, 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 no. That's Flora. So oh, Verna Felton is a legend. Legend. So, D- Disney has their own category of Disney legends, but um, Verna is right up there. I, I actually is she officially a Disney legend? Let me look that up. Richard, you're about I to say thought you guys were. I just honestly thought you guys were going to list like a bunch of different elephants that she was playing, and like, like <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry you got typecast. No, like, no, I, that was no, almost, no, that no, was no. almost that was almost my letterbox review was Walt. Hey, I got this role for you. Want to play an, a mean elephant? Okay, and then got it. like almost twenty years, la- oh, more than twenty years later. Hey, I got this role for you. It's another elephant, and she's like, really? got it, really. <laughs> <laughs> It just makes me think of when we were talking about Planet of the Apes with poor Tom Felton being stuck <laughs> as the mean kid from Harry Potter <laughs> going yes. into the mean kid. And it's like, I hope you're doing okay. I hope yeah. you're getting nice well, p- people roles. Actually, Verna Felton has a non-Disney role that is not nice, but it's hilarious. She was Fred Flintstone's mother-in-law on yes. Flintstones. She was. <laughs> She was, and it was one of my favorites. So I, I don't know exactly if Verna Felton, I can't find it here within a reasonable amount of time, but I do believe that she is in the Disney Legends Company Hall of Fame. So, That's cool. Yeah, she wholeheartedly deserves it because she goes from playing villain to fairy godmother to supporting cast. She's incredible, and she's probably one of the best parts of this movie because the other elephants don't really talk there's only a few characters here that actually have voices like dumbo's mom does not have any dial well she says his name at the beginning but does not speak after that she goes speak dumbo doesn't speak there's one other elephant that kind of talks like all, all the elephants around them talk and uh there's a uh, Timothy Mouse, the little wisecracking uh, circus mouse who kind of buddies up with uh, Dumbo. He's the one who can talk. On all the human characters, Makes me think of, of Hugh Jackman talk. and The Greatest Showman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just <Okay>. saying, <laughs> Tim Burton missed out. He should have had Hugh Jackman as the little mouse. <laughs> you know what, Wait. though? It's, I'm glad you mentioned like Greatest Showman because I think about the circus... Uh. And mm-hmm. have you guys ever been to a circus when you were a kid? Actually, Once. yes, I have. Once. Because I, I know I have been around elephants and all that, but, like, it's a weird thing because Ringling Brothers, they don't do shows anymore. That that was clo- – that, that, they closed didn't those they, out. Yeah, they closed like that five, not that long ago, didn't five they? Five years ago. Five years ago. Yeah. But I think about, like, all – like, these cer- certain, like, things in time, and I think about, like, Dumbo and the circus, and I think about, like, us, we know what a circus is, you know. But I think about kids, and they go, is that something that only happens in the movies? Is that something... But it's like, no, that was, you know, that, that was, was something... Thing. That was a thing. I mean, I'm not saying the elephants were, like, doing construction work on, like, tents <laughs> no. in the exact fashion Pyra- they do in the, Dumbo. Or, like, like, the pyramid of elephants. It's like, no, all right, yeah. now you jump on this, and then you'll get on top. All right, we can make this happen. But I remember, you know, it's 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 definitely a weird, like, cultural, like, generational thing where, like, I remember I had a co-worker um, who took his granddaughter to one of the last Ringling Brothers shows so she could have that memory, you know. And now that's going to be a thing that's like, like, but so that, that won't be in the cultural memory after a couple generations, you know, which is kind of crazy to think about. 
Are there any other companies that are that are around for circuses, or is or is that was that was just like? I mean, there's Cirque du Soleil, but they do primarily human performances, which yeah. is and actually really incredible. That's more like located just in Vegas, and like right. They actually have a location that's opening up in Disney, or it was open in Disney. They were working on a new show, and then okay. right before they were going to open, you know what happened. So yep. that's uh, <sighs> that's something that we're going to have to try again, but. They're evolving past the point of like the heyday circus where they would have a bunch of animals and stuff like that um, to where it's more like a human talent show, a human acrobat slash talent show, which I like that direction. I have I love that direction very much, but it's probably the better option. No, absolutely. I'm I'm just saying it's a weird thing to think about because like it was something that just was like, you know, it was just something that you saw. You saw TV commercials for it back in the day. Like it was, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I forget the company that owned the rights to Ringling Brothers because they also have the rights to Disney on Ice. Mm, um, I don't remember. I forget their names, but they, but it was such an integral part of their business model and everything that they did, you know. So it's it's definitely just an interesting thing. But going back to Dumbo, you know, it, it, it's very much like a long short. I'm thinking about like certain shots. I think about the shot of like the storks in the beginning, you know, mm-hmm. when they're flying at, at nighttime. I I like that. I mean, stir um. Uh, Sterling Holloway, Mr. Sterling Holloway, Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, Sterling Holloway was the first voice of Winnie the Pooh. I know all of us uh, we think of Jim Cummings as Winnie the Pooh, but Jim Cummings is Pooh 2.0. Sterling Holloway is another Disney voiceover legend. He was um, featured a lot in some of the cartoons, like he did narrating for Susie the Little Blue Coop, uh, Lambert the Sheepish Lion. he did a lot of voice work, and actually, one of my good friends who used to work for Disney uh, actually got to meet Sterling Holloway, and mentioned that the way he talked normally, just like how he sounds in the cartoons, he there was no distinction. He wasn't putting on a voice; that was his real voice. Wow, that's that's just wild because he he has such a distinct voice, but it's also so funny too because he could he could turn it a certain way, and it could be it could be poo. You know, and to be like a friendly, warm voice, or it could be a little more menacing and like mysterious, like the Cheshire Cat, or Cod from Ka- Jungle Book, or Cod the Snake. Oh my, Steinethes! You know, just those um, those <laughs> bits. But uh, no, he's he's always it's always one of those names. You're like it's like like seeing like a, a good old character actor. You're like, yeah, I like this guy. Um, this is a good time. Yeah, he's a favorite in this. And then who is the one who played Timothy? I, I don't know. Um, uh, but, but, yeah. but. Edward Brophy. I'll I'll fully admit I don't know anything what you guys are talking about. <laughs> like any of these people, I'm like, okay, that's cool. All right, oh, and cool. according to IMDb, apparently I rely on you guys. This is Mel Blanc's second appearance now within this episode. He is uncredited as Dumbo. Oh, so. I, I think I remember hearing something about that. That is interesting. If IMDb okay. is to be trusted, we now have Mel Blanc's second appearance on this pod, uh, podcast episode. So he, he has a bit of a, a, a Frank Welker kind of turn every now and then where he just makes animal noises. Yeah, Frank Welker is definitely a modern day actor, uh, voice actor that I definitely think of for that. Um, but <laughs> this is, an, as we were talking about earlier with the like Pinocchio and Snow White even and Fantasia, even though these movies can be like really bright and colorful and happy, there are some dark moments 
in this and like moments that really hurt you like i i this movie i have to i avoid watching dumbo if i don't have to because anytime the baby mind sequence comes on i start oh, bawling like a baby i don't have kids all right i ha- I, I i i don't and I, I i don't connect with it but i just see dumbo in his mom's trunk and she's rocking him while she's in a locked cart being labeled as a mad elephant and you see all the moms and all the babies from all the rest of the circus they're all snuggled up together not dumbo and mrs jumbo she's literally holding him while she's locked up i d- uh wow i'm getting i'm getting teary thinking about it but this is one disney sequence that is guaranteed to make me cry no matter how many times I've seen it. Oh, damn it. I'm I'm tearing up. Fudge. I can't even it's talk cool. about it. it. Ha- I can't even talk I'm about this. I'm pretty sure it's happened to both of us on this show. I t- listen, I teared up talking about freaking Godzilla versus Kong a couple <laughs> months ago while talking yeah. about that, and I had to censor was, myself um, literally. I, I, had to, I, I had to edit <laughs> myself because I, I was like what i was a mess but you know that's that's the that's i mean ultimately that's the magic of uh of a when you connect with something is that if it can make if it can stir your emotions in that way that you care enough to start crying about it Uh, oh it stirs something all right yeah who's cutting onions that's magic oh but you know what i did want to mention speaking of um song of the south uh the star of song of the south is in this he's one of the crows Mm mm-hmm I never knew that until today. Because <laughs> oh. oddly enough, I know like people talk, and I, but like, save for one crow, isn't the majority of the voice actors of the crows black people, like African Americans? I think a couple of them are. I know Cliff Edwards plays um, the lead one, so it's a white, yeah, is a, a white dude. The white guy is playing the lead one, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I didn't know that either. Because I was looking up because I wanted to know a little bit more about that. It's like I, because I have, I'm white. First of all, as we all are. Second, I just, it's a weird thing to, you know, yeah. Um, when you have almost little to no information or even understanding, because you just won't. But um, I wanted to know a little bit more about it, and I was surprised that like a good chunk of the crows were actually played um, versus that one by black people, and it was weird. It was an interesting thing to learn. Yeah, no, um, uh, for sure. You know, I think one of the, like, the big climax of this movie is Dumbo flies. I mean, I think flight as a thing in movies is such a big, is such a big thing. Like, we all want to fly, you know. It's um, freeing. Oh, yeah. It's freeing. It's, it's liberating. I mean, I think, I think about the rides that get, like, the most, like, wait times and popularity. Peter Pan's flight. You know, even if if people say say what they will about that ride, it still garners like at least an hour wait, um, on even on a slow day at a Disney park. Mm-hmm. And Dumbo in the Magic Kingdom, they have two Dumbos in in Magic Kingdom because that way to help with capacity, help with the lines, um, uh, lines on that. So and that and that can you know because I remember as a kid waiting to get on Dumbo. And it was the worst. No shade. And my mom tells stories of my dad saying, what the hell were we thinking? Are We are never doing this again. This, <laughs> this is not happening. My parents uh, always said the same thing. We're staying out of thing. this section. 
<laughs> no more. Never going back. <laughs> I, I don't know if Walt Disney World's Dumbo ride did this, but Disneyland, you could get like a, a it was like a rubber cutout of a feather. So the kids would hold on to it, and then they'd hold on to it for the ride, and then they'd give it back when they were done, so they could you know help Dumbo fly. And I. I always wanted one of those things. I wanted to. T- I wanted to That's keep one of those cute, things, but actually. I never did. Yeah, it was adorable, and th- I, I. I don't I'll know if they stopped cute. doing it. Oh yeah, it was just one of those little details that they did. But the the Dumbo style attraction, we call it a Dumbo style attraction because that's literally like the most famous version of like a. I guess you can call it a flying carousel because you can control it going up and down, but you're really just going in a circle. You just call it a Dumbo-style attraction because that's like the most famous iteration of that ride. And it's on both coasts in Disneyland. I'm fairly certain they have it in other parks, but I'd need to look. I was just going to say it's funny because a friend of mine was at a local fair recently was posting pictures online and they had a Dumbo-style ride, but it was elephants. Like it weren't, they weren't Dumbo elephants, but they were just like generic I've seen those. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Like I think I'm pretty sure Allison that there I think it's one of the few rides that's at every Magic Kingdom style park. I think Haunted Mansion I know is, like is one of those attractions. Yeah, Haunted there's very few rides that actually go all around the world. Haunted Mansion is one of them even though there's like a couple different iterations of them in Hong Kong and Paris. Uh but I think Dumbo's the other one. I would need to verify. Dump- Dumbo's one of the few because I like there are some that are that are just like not they're not quite there, um, but yeah Dumbo but it it makes sense because a it's such an iconic attraction but also b it's literally probably the cheapest attraction or one of the cheapest attractions that they have on their you know on their roster that they can just replicate elsewhere because it is like that flying carousel um, style ride. I haven't been on it yet. Well, I know what we have to do. It's fun to go at night because then you can like see all the lights of the rest of the park. We'll take you on it when we actually get there in a couple days. Yeah, I don't mind. I like Dumbo. It's just we just with the way our trip was, Richard. It just it you know hurricanes you know suck. Hurricanes yeah. stink. But Alice and I, we w- we went on that at night in uh, in New Fantasyland. That was that was really yeah. nice. But definitely was. Oh, it was it gorgeous. Does it, it like add a different element? Is it like lit in a certain way or something? That makes oh yeah, like the lights. Disney at dark when it's lit up and it's just so gorgeous. Actually, in Disneyland, one of my favorite attractions to take Joey on, and it was one that I insisted that we do when it was part of our first date trip, is the Storybook Land Canal Boats. And that's an old attraction. Like, I don't even know how long that one's been there. Coincidentally, you have to go through. It is, actually. It's funny, because coincidentally, to to start the ride, you actually have to go through Monstro. You have to go into his mouth and go through him. And it, you I go mean, past a bunch of miniatures. Better, really, <laughs> you go past a bunch of miniatures for all the lands and all the Disney worlds, and you can go like under the archways, which is where Aladdin and Jasmine had their first date. And going there in the daytime is fine, but going there at night is just something else. It's just gorgeous. I will only ride that ride at night. I agree with that. Um, I agree with that sentiment a lot. But Dumbo, I mean, I don't know if there's a whole lot to say about Dumbo, like. Outside of that, Richard, do you have anything additional to say, Richard? I mean, I'll be honest. This was my least favorite of the bunch. I just didn't mm. care for it all that much. So I, right. I, I just wanted to let you guys do your thing. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's it's got it's got things to admire about it, and I do like some aspects of it. And Dumbo is freaking adorable. 
mm-hmm. and you want Dumbo to be happy and not be mean. Like, the, the freaking elephants were just mean to Dumbo because he had big ears. Like, screw you. <laughs> what are you doing? I hate you. I hate all of you. Um, but i'll I'll admit it just i don't know if it really got my attention personally like i do i i i I, there's a lot to like about it but i guess it just wasn't for me necessarily well the good news is that disney uh really really wanted to try again with the cute little animal uh storytelling type story with their next film because our final film of the episode is uh Another Golden Age classic that features a tragic little cute character. And now we're moving on to, I forget the year it came out, uh, Bambi. It was a, I think it was uh, 1942, I want to say. 42, yep. I have I, I have the Blu-ray. Oh, you already guessed. Never mind. 1942's <laughs> Bambi. I was going to try. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> okay. I almost got the perfect segue it's, going. But yeah, uh, Bambi. Mikey, stop messaging us when we're recording. Uh, <laughs> Wikey. Dude, Sorry. you can't do this to us. You're killing us. I love anyway. Mikey, stop it. <laughs> anyway. Moving on. Bambi uh, came out in 1942. And honestly, yeah. I think it's the most. <laughs> Did we get another interruption? <laughs> Sorry, they just both did it. So, please, please talk about Bambi. Did somebody else okay. did it? I want to so, call him out now. If it was somebody else, it was. Listen, it was Wikey and Feehan both messaged in the group just now, and Wikey responded and again. Why am I associated Boys. with either one of you in any capacity? Boys, stop! You're interrupting Allison. It's rude. Okay. So, Bambi, I would argue, aside from Fantasia, is the most artistic of these films because, Richard, you and I were talking about this where Bambi isn't real. What did you say to me? And I said I was going to bring it up. Um, We were talking about this last night. Shoot. Hold on. It's in the chat that Joey made that we're both in. I know. I need to scroll up. Uh, but we were talking um, about it. I also love. I love Bambi, and I think um, we we end the golden age on a high note with this one. Say, I'm going past the beats message now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm not even going to explain the context. We'll just let viewer. We'll just let listeners make up their own thoughts. Just let it sit there. Yeah. Um, you're dying your hair. I did. Um. I'm saying Joey's really cool. I think I went too far. Oh, yeah. You said you were going to take a page and watch it while we talk. Because, honestly, Bambi is a movie that you could watch as a silent film with the soundtrack. There's not a lot of dialogue. Uh, Joey, I think you remember how many words of dialogue are actually spoken in the whole movie. I think you and I did the fun fact on this before. (sighs) Hold on. Let me see if I can... Now I have to look th- look something up. Hold on. <laughs> I'll keep I'm talking then while you're looking it up. Uh, Bambi is a unique movie because it is very heavily reliant on the visual part of the storytelling. Like, the characters, of course, do talk and there is dialogue. But honestly, Bambi's one of those movies where if you did take away all the dialogue, 
you could have like an animated Disney nature film. It's gorgeous. The animation is just like watercolor paintings come to life. And it also features uh, one of the most amazing pieces of technology that Disney worked on and produced, the multiplane camera. And I know we wanted to talk about this because that piece of equipment was very important when it came to actually producing a lot more Disney art later on. And Walt was very proud of it. Yes, um, it was used in other films before this one, but this might be the most famous use of it, particularly when you watch the opening after the, the credits roll, after the opening credits, and you see just the beautiful opening shots of the forest. Can we just appreciate how great of an opening that is, just to fully establish, like, this is the magic of the forest. Oh, absolutely. Like, there's, there's, like, there's no fairies, there's no dwarves, there's no Snow White, there's, like, none of that fairy tale stuff. It's literally just the woods yeah this is this is like the first disney movie to just take place in the real world this is a normal forest there's no magic there's no flying elephants there's nothing fantastical this is just the forest i'm pretty sure this movie takes place outside my house somewhere if i'm being honest (laughs) it's like i see a lot of deer around my house so I actually just restarted the movie because I wanted to see that opening again. I'm watching it right now, by the way. <laughs> I'm going to give a shout out to my mom. Uh, she, This is one of her favorites. And her one of her favorite Disney characters is Thumper. Um, so uh, I just wanted to, to bring that up. But to answer your question, Allison, before, 950 words are spoken in Bambi. In the whole movie. That's insane when you think about it. Because... People write pages and pages and pages and pages of dialogues for movies nowadays in television shows to explain the plot. This one, no, they don't need it. They they get away with just barely 900 words and the music and the visuals. They rely on all those things and it works out so well. There's just something really magical about it. Yeah. It's, it's, very, stri- it's very striking. And, like, I think about, like... There's an emphasis, there is an emphasis on realism as far as like the movements of the animals. Like, I mean, you see like the great prince of the forest when he, when he walks, but also there's a lot of great mood lighting. I think about, um, any of the scenes where like, where like the first time where man enters the forest and you see the deer are scrambling and you see the bright, like the wheat, the strange colors and it's total pandemonium, pandemonium. And I also think about when Bambi is with Feline and his romantic rival enters and he's a significantly like darker he's shaded differently like the like the two con- like the blue and the yellow just like the contrast of the lighting is really cool it's like, just so artfully done it it i think it cuz i remember Joey you were saying how like one of the big drives for doing animation for for Walt Disney was to show that animation could tell a story to make you cry right like like I'm paraphrasing, but like it it can give you an emotional impact the way like any live action thing can. And I think this is a really excellent example of that. Just like everything about it. Like it's not meant to be silly or over the top necessarily. I mean, there's silly moments, there's little fun moments here and there, but it it really is just like saying it's a vibe, really. Like when you watch it, it feels like that <laughs> a little bit. You know? Well, 
let's let's go back and think about Snow White for a second. And you know how all the woodland creatures around Snow White were really silly looking, kind of rounded and cartoony looking. Yeah, they're bouncy. They they don't look real. They they look they look like plush animals that just came to life. You turn around and you look at Bambi, and you can tell that Disney was very adamant on getting the realism. Uh, they brought in animals. They brought in deer for the animators yeah. to study and kind of get an actual sense of like what these animals moved and looked like. Yeah. So it, it's kind of fun to look just between these movies in particular, how much the animation just skyrocketed in not only the styling but the realism and it makes you really feel for the characters there's a bit that i always think just a small bit where a mouse shows up and like washes its face with a raindrop but like it looks it's detailed yes. to be like a realistic mouse yeah. and like even the eyes don't are not like the big wide cute eyes that you see with a lot of animation characters it's literally meant to to be a realistic depiction of a mouse yeah, they're little black beady eyes, but it looks so it looks like, cute look, because it looks right real. It's about to happen. There it is. You guys can't see yeah. it, but on Richard's screen, it's this little mouse that is we, picking we up are... a drop from the grass and watching. <laughs> Why say a little raindrop? We should we should do commentary tracks on these movies. But uh, one shot for me in particular that always is striking is this clo- is this close up shot of the gra- of the Prince of the Forest. It's a close up shot where he he wiggle his his ears wiggle a little bit, but it it looks startlingly real. And it, it's it's it always it's always a shot. There's a lot of shots that are just ingrained in my head with it with this movie. I think about the opening. I think about a lot of the mood lighting choices. Um, you know, the I, I, one thing I always I always love, and this is a big thing we talk about a lot in movies. Richard, water, water is especially in animation is a is a, is a crazy thing because it's just it's hard to animate. I mean, with with the with the way technology and everything has gone over the years, like obviously they've gotten better at it, but it's never been easy to handle with water. Like even just like, like even just thinking about like the way they do it in live action movies. Like I think about like with James Cameron doing avatar two and the whole thing's supposed to be underwater. There's supposed to be a good chunk of it underwater. And it just makes me think like, has he figured that out? I don't know. But like with animation, especially like you know, when you think of like the monstro sequence in Pinocchio, or we think of like the way the water works in in Bambi, it's just the, the the fact that they put all that time and effort to make it as workable and beautiful as possible is insane. Like I think about the one thing that always impressed me as a kid, because um, they always have like the documentaries at the end of the VHS tape. They would have like the featurette behind the scenes. And they would show the animation of the raindrops, like the April, the, the famous April shower sequence. And that just blew my mind as a kid, that that was something somebody drew with their hands. Like, Let's insane. emphasize that a moment. Every last raindrop in this movie is hand-drawn. We don't with appreciate that nowadays. And a pencil. No. Yes. Like, like, not to downplay computer animation because they i mean granted they can do some amazing things and have some great looking movies but there's just something amazing about you know like like a piece of hand-drawn animation that looks that fluid and looks that smooth and it's like that that looks like water it's believable yeah it's like it's like think about like good stop motion animation you know it's like there's nothing uh, nothing wrong with cgi i think it's just another technique 
and it could be used good or bad, just like anything. But when you have like good, like we were talking about with Dark Crystal, even with the puppetry. Yes, with the puppetry. It's how impressive exactly. that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Just it, it it blows my mind. I also I also really like the songs outside of the last song that they have with like love at the end. I I didn't like that. But I like the other songs in the movie. They're just kind of like they they have established what season it is. Hold on a second. What song are you talking about? Like, like it, it's the song after like Bambi defeats like the rival, his romantic rival, and he's just hanging out with. Oh, Jaylene. I bring you a song. Oh, like when they're looking, looking for romance. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, like I was just kind of like whatever, but like I like the other. I really like the other songs because um, they they really just establish the mood, um, the mood pretty well. I think as far as like like the, some of the seasons, um, I love Little April Shower. Of course, I just remember Dune classic, Dune, dun 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 dun. dun, dun. You know that was that was Baby Driver before Baby Driver. <laughs> 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 it's it's so good oh joey side, sorry i Another just love one. it that great the shot. oh there he is there's the great prince of the forest yes that's such a strong character for i think that character says exactly two sentences and l- well no no he speaks a little bit more when bambi's an adult he has the fewest littlest dialogue in the film but he's so powerful you respect him he's such a striking figure like I'm also, I'm going to go into a, a subject, so if this is too touchy, let me know. I'm speaking as somebody where I lost my dad when I was six, and, like, a dad, like, the the Prince of the Forest is an interesting character, and I find him more and more interesting with each viewing in this movie, because, again, with nature, like, parenting is, is weird, but, like, you know, we're, we're human, so we connect with it on a different level, but, like, Bambi's dad is kind of, he's, he, he's a presence, but he's absent, you know, and yeah. Bambi's almost like intimidated by his father. Like it, it, it's it, it's kind of a it's a really interesting relationship. Um, and they get into it in Bambi too, but that's a whole other thing. But they tried to get into it in Bambi too. We'll say that. Tried to do it in Bambi too, but I also think about the end of the movie where where you know Bambi's kids are born, and where's Bambi? He's not right there. He's far. He's in the distant with his with his dad. You know, I, I don't know. It's just it's just kind of one of those things. That it's just interesting uh, to talk about because, like, again, like that character is such a great representation in the movie because he doesn't say a, he doesn't say a lot verbally, but his look just says it all. I'll never forget. And we're going to talk about Bambi's mom in a second, but like, I'll never forget the way he delivers the line. Your mother can't be with you anymore. Like, it just oh. it yeah, and it just. It hits you like a freight train. And just how... It's such a like, gut punch. The, everything about that sequence, even just from a visual standpoint, like it's in the snow and with all, like the snow is like sort of covering it's... Bambi. So, it, and he's like, it just adds some somewhat, somewhat of a chaoticness to it a little bit. Well, even that, it's... it's almost black and white with like the, just the stark snow everywhere and the darkness yeah. of Bambi and his dad. It looks like it's a black and white moment, whereas all previously you've had this color this beauty and this world all of a sudden now his mom's gone and everything is the color just drains from the movie for that whole sequence where he's looking for her and i think about like the little look that he gives like so it's, it's like he's trying to he's looking back 
And it's like he's looking back at the end of his childhood effectively right there. That's a pretty apt way, like end of childhood to look at it. Because this movie is like a coming of age story, ultimately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, because, you know, we see Bambi when he's first born and we sort of go through his childhood to his adolescence to being a teenager to being a father. And it's, it's like you you almost see like his entire life up to adulthood in, in this like series of sequences or images, and you know it like like it doesn't it's thankfully it doesn't shy away from some of the tougher aspects of life, at least in there for the stuff they have to deal with like hunters for example right. which is mm-hmm. terrifying yeah and yes the impact that that could have like losing a parent. Well, Disney back in the day wasn't afraid to address darkness like head on. They they almost follow the storytelling trope where the ending is happier when you know the hero has to go through more darkness. I'm paraphrasing it, but you guys know what I'm talking about. I think about um uh I think Dom Bluth had something to say about that where it's just like kids can handle a lot just as long as you give them a happy ending. Like they can handle a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of like 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 okay dogs dogs i know you're both dog people dogs have never been scarier than in bambi those are the most terrifying dogs i think i've ever seen in my life (laughs) yeah they don't mess around with you haven't met my dog joey met my dog and he did pretty good like uh my dog's a german shepherd mix and he was a a street dog when we first got him so this is doey now that you mention it i think this is what was going through your head when you met my dog and he was trying to lick you Yes, my dog. (laughs) I was like, I was like Bambi, but I didn't have antlers, and I'm like, it would be really weird if I knocked this dog off of me. (laughs) Like, my first meet, like my 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 future in laws, and I knocked the the beloved dog off. (laughs) Like, that's a great start. (laughs) You knocked their dog off. You know what? We respect you. At the very end. At the very end, Buddy liked you. He was just, you were like his first house guest that he'd ever had. So you were you were the test right. subject and you did very well. But I will say that this is what I imagined you were imagining. My dog right. will eat you. No, there's, there, there's <laughs> a lot of scary stuff in this. Richard, your dog is basically the model for Toto. Like, like if we had a modern <laughs> dog, we're going to be a dog. <laughs> and you know what? She'll eat you. <laughs> she'll still do it she'll that's think fine. there's a squeaker yeah, in gonna, you just she'll eat, find it she's, she's just gonna eat the witch that's fine yeah um, but going no, back but, to but, like okay, the terror but, of this movie oh go, you go ahead sorry no but like like the terror like uh, this is this scene I bring this up to Richard I feel like every two weeks and I feel like he wants to punch me in the face every time I bring this scene up <laughs> and I felt like this was indicative of, of the pandemic for so long like it's like the quiet, like the man has entered the forest again, and I think oh the no whales or whatever I know this yeah and they're the bir- quails and the bird I that freaked me out as a kid because I feel like that was like my first exposure to like somebody <gasps> going insane and like the bird's like I can't take this anymore she flies off pow they've the got to fly she's got to fly and she takes drops. off and boom and the uh, animals are like ah it's so intense we just lost Joey Joey's frozen. Uh, did you hear when I went, animals went, ah! I literally, you know what? The camera just caught, tried to catch up with you, and I saw all these different movements. It, <laughs> it was, was very just, abstract. Like, it was like this. <laughs> I was going insane, like the like the quail. Well, that, that, that moment is like 
it almost feels like a bomb is going to go off. Mm-hmm. Like the music, oh, yeah. the strings are starting to play, the quails starting to freak out, and it's a legitimately scary moment. And you know what else is legitimately scary? The fire. The fire. The big wildfire. No, and See, and the music, the music plays a big role in both of those things because yeah. the the theme for man. It's like Jaws. It's a deceptively simple piece of music that mm-hmm. says so much. On I think about the shot. The shot, it's like it's kind of like the this is the first scariest shot in any movie, okay? Aside from not Crims Hemsworth looking onto Snow White. But uh <laughs> the, this the shot where where Bambi and his mom, they found grass. Hooray! Spring is probably going to come at some point. And then boom. And you see this shot, and you know it's from man's point of view, and you're like, oh, shit! She's gonna get it! Not if you're, like, when you're older, you get it, but when you're a kid, you just hear that music, and you realize something scary is gonna happen, but I don't know how many young kids would get the connection, like, oh, that's the theme for whenever man shows up. Basically, this is Chekhov's gun in almost quite a literal, uh, a, a musical and literal fashion, is they show the who's got the gun through the force of music. Yeah. You know what? Thank goodness we're talking about this while the rain sequence is playing right now. Oh, is it playing for you too? It's just, it's like, aw, this is nice. And, oh, but I wanted to tell this story. Like, um, there's a page, there's a lot of pages now that post like frames of like different kinds of movies. So there's a page that does Disney Studios films and they got to Bambi. And I'll never forget the frame where Bambi makes it into the little den, and he's like, "We made it, mother!" And I cannot tell you how many sad react. I, I don't think there was a, there was uh, no like other kind of uh, react. It was just sad reacts, and I'm like, "Oh God!" Oh, uh, <laughs> wow! I feel like I just got punched in the chest thinking about that. <laughs> oh man! Thank it's, goodness for the rain it's, sequence. It's amazing that they get you to care so much about like these animals, these drawings of animals the animation is that good I think a friend of mine said this would be like a great example of like why deforestation is like terrible and why we should stop yeah like yeah, this well, uh, the this... only other example we have is Once Upon a Forest and as much as I like Michael Crawford that movie is not good which movie? have you, ever, have you never seen Once Upon a Forest? no don't just don't okay I will not. Think of Fern Gully, but extremely hackneyed with Michael Crawford. It's like it's like a really bad mix between uh, Fern Gully and Secret of Nim. Is all I can say. Okay. This this is a much better um, this is a much better call to action to you like you know hey you know. Be good to the animals in the forest. <laughs> like, I, I I also think about, too, how people reacted to this scene. Because, like, they're such an, in such a high emotional, like, state when they watch it. Um, they, they imagine that they see the mom get shot. Even though that's not... You don't see, you yeah. don't see that in the movie. No. Like, you know she gets shot. Plus, I think because it is arguably the most talked about thing with this one... Yeah, that people tend to like just immediately, like especially if you've never seen it, you immediately think they show like a deer getting shot in the movie or something. Well, thank good they don't because if they did, no. that would be horrible. Like, 
I think it's 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 effective enough just to hear, you know, the the prince of the forest show up and say what he says, and then like move on. We're good. I would we argue need, that it's more details. effective. I would argue that it's even more effective to have that be what Bambi finds because he he doesn't get to see his mom. Presumably, the last time he sees her is when they're running. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's, that's the last point. image in his mind that he has of his mom. So I think that's more effective than if Bambi had found. Listen, Bambi's had a rough had childhood because Simba, Simba, <laughs> Simba at least got some type of closure. Bambi never will. Yeah, Simba at least got to like you know have a moment with his father and like get to know who his father was and then you know obviously what happened happened and it's still like sad anguish but man, bambi and simba what a pair <laughs> you just feel bad for him i hope that yeah. you know what if they were real i hope they're having good lives well actually you know what's funny is the voice actor who plays young bambi um is still alive well he was in um he was in the the um, the Universal movie Son of Frankenstein as uh, as Basil Rathbone's kid, and um, there's another famous like child in this movie. But what were you gonna say? Uh, so I know that the young actor for Bambi, he I can't remember which war it was. It wasn't World War II because obviously he would have been too young. So I think it was either Korean War or Vietnam, but he went to war and he would never tell any of his fellow soldiers that he was the voice of young Bambi. That's like I he kept it a secret because he didn't, he didn't want them to know that he was the voice of the baby deer in Bambi. So that would have been his nickname. Probably. Probably. You know, they have, they all had like their, their nicknames so but i remember hearing about that Bambi. (laughs) i just remember hearing about that and i'm like wow you voiced arguably one of the cutest most innocent characters in all of animation and then you went to war cheers sir good on you (laughs) i i thought that was hilarious um do you know allison do you know who plays uh the young phalene uh yes, I can't remember her name, but I know that she ends up in Gone with the Wind as uh, Scarlett O'Hara and Rhett Butler's daughter. Yep, she played Bonnie Blue, uh, Bonnie Blue Butler in Gone with the Bonnie Wind. Bonnie Blue Butler. Um, Cami, uh, Cami King, I want to say that's her name. Uh, but Sounds yeah, it's right. just, it, it always int- it always interests me. Um, that that's um. That's who; those are the people who played those um, particular roles. But I think the kids, the kids do a really good job, and it really helps, like, sell, like, especially that first half, like that first half of the movie. It feels so much more real and enjoyable because you know those are kids playing those those roles. Exactly. It it, it wouldn't work if Bambi had like a twenty year old voicing his little child self. I know it's done like some days in modern animation where you have an adult <laughs> where you have an adult playing a child character because if you have a good enough voice actor you can get away with it. But if you have a good enough child actor, use them. It really just it, the authenticity of it. And normal and normally like normally I'm not like the biggest fan of movies with children as like the leads. But like this is one of those rare thing times where I'm like I connect with Bambi as a character and I connect with these guys. I love Thumper. Thumper's hysterical when he when, like Thumper's his mom if is like. If you can't say something nice, 
don't say nothing at all. <laughs> That's timing. literally the best line. Hey, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> For yeah, those Richard's of you not watching. Scene, guys, just to, yeah. <laughs> Richard's the watching it and I totally just did it. That's amazing. Very nice. I, that is too it's much. It's such a good movie. It, it, it's another <laughs> short movie. Like uh, the Disney watch magic. time for this one is bup, 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 an hour ten, whereas Dumbo was an hour no. four. So I had it on the Blu-ray. I could have said it. Dang it! I had it already up on IMDb. I was prepared. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's amazing what a um, story they can pack into these short movies. Like uh, I think the long, the longest one was obviously Fantasia. Um. How Pinocchio that, was our ninety minutes, about ninety minutes. Ninety minutes, about. yeah, but ninety minutes, and then we have this, and then we have Dumbo. So it's kind of a nice wide range of like you have feature length animation, and then you have, uh, I would argue short, not short film, film length. What would you guys say? I mean, a- average. Min- like minimum is usually like 75 minutes i think for like a typical feature film a, t- a typical though i've heard some people have like they're generous like sometimes they're generous with a description of a feature especially back then it um a feature could qualify as something that was over an hour you know uh, yeah which is a weird which is a weird thing to think about like it they barely qualify in that in that sense but you know they're they're short features i guess would be a good way to describe them but they're impactful. It's like that weird like middle ground of it's too long to be a short film, but it's too short to be a feature film. It's like it's yeah. a short feature. Exactly. But these films have basically shaped animation. But you you know what? With Bambi, you didn't you don't really need it to be. Like it's like it's it's the nice length of time to tell the story that it's trying to tell. Like you could maybe flesh some things out if you wanted to, but for what it is, it's still like and it's my it's probably my favorite of these movies that we've talked about yeah it's it's kind of it's kind of weird like it used for me it used to be like fantasia but it's one like bambi's one of those movies where i've rewatched it a couple times since the blu-ray came out and you really just get an appreciation for the kind of movie that it is and just the emotional impact that it has it's vibes but also richard you brought up a good point with me when we were talking about bambi and that is, it doesn't suffer from the same problems that other Disney movies have in that there's not a lot of, like, problematic elements in Bambi. Yeah. Because, like, they're not offending deer. <laughs> there's, not, there's no real, like, cultural appropriation going on here. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, none of the characters... Yeah, the, and none of the characters are like emulating any sort of race or anything. Like you, like you can look at some of the sequences in the other movies and be like, oh, clearly, you know, this is meant to look like this or like a stereotype of that. But none of these, like, they're just animals. They're like realistic depiction of forest creatures, and it, it's perfect. It's fine. Keep it, and it's aged beautifully. Ow! I just hit my elbow. <laughs> that did it, not it, it really beautiful. has. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um. It, 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 it's though. it's one of those movies where you I think you appreciate it more when you get older because like before I would when I was a kid I used to think that Bambi was kind of boring um, it was very sad and kind of boring that was my relationship with Bambi before <laughs> now okay. I'm like this is an art piece okay this is uh, animated this characters is Lion moving King through Lion King exactly it's 
they're moving through watercolor stills. Like when you see like some of the background animation, that, those could be just paintings in your house. But the characters have just enough of a different look to them where they still belong in that world. But they're, it's like they're moving through art, if you want to interpret it like that. I mean, I think that's a really good way to put it, honestly. Because, I mean, again, I'm just looking at it right now, and, like, it's almost hard to, like, look at you guys. No offense. Um, <laughs> though that's more on Joey, really. Let's how, it's how the March of the Stags, isn't it? How do you think I feel, Richard? I have to look at the mirror, man. <laughs> I know. I just get scared to think about that. I don't. Hey, I like looking at you. <laughs> You're supposed you to one. say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was, was trying to do like the, I was trying to do like the Feline eye flutter thing. It didn't work. Clearly, I need to be a deer. <laughs> hey, Joey, Joey, but I'm a deer. I'm a deer. Uh, this movie was nominated for three Oscars. Just a side note for best sound deserved more. Uh, Love is a song for best song and the original score, which it definitely deserves for that. The score is it, it deserved more. Said, it it I means more. Did it win? Retroactively, come on. Um, it doesn't look like it won anything, unfortunately. Um, we'll just say, you know what? This is the first ever two dudes, one double feature awards ceremony. We're gonna give des- mo- most deserved more to Bambi. Boom. Deserved the Oscar more to Bambi. I like it. We we Bambi, you've won every award, even if it's an award. Like, even international film, maybe it doesn't make sense, but you got it. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're international somewhere. It's like, you're international to someone. Um, but this, like, I, I another anecdote I have is I had, a, I had a friend who never watched Bambi or Dumbo growing up because his mom would not let him watch those movies. Really? Because of, like, because of the mom getting shot and then the mom elephant getting locked away in Dumbo. And it's just like... I mean, like dogs, like stuff with moms can be set. Like I think of Rugrats in Paris. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, I knew you, <laughs> I that knew you were going to say that. It, that gets you, and you want Chucky to have a mom. I know that sequence. You want, you want the whole sequence mom. in the plane. He wants a mom that will last forever. It's a good. That's a good movie. Another another note with all five of these movies is that they are all in the National Film Registry. Uh, through the, uh, in the Library of Congress, and as they I think should that, be. that as they should be. Um, look, like Disney, whether you love them or hate them, they are a very important part of, especially American culture, and mm. that that probably doesn't get anywhere without at least talking about these five films. For you know, even with some something that we might not feel as strongly about. It still has had a tremendous impact. They all have Snow White, Pinocchio, Fantasia, Dumbo, and Bambi are all unique movies. They're all important. The first one, you know, Snow White, started up a whole, like, sort of other type of franchise with this. My dog is barking again. She's trying to eat Joey, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the whole, like, Disney princess line. I mean, that's a staple of Disney animation is the Disney princess thing because of Snow White. Even though it is, it's sort of weird to think about that it's the only princess movie knowing that it's such an like important like marketed thing for Disney is the Disney princess stuff. Mm-hmm. But also, one thing I, I think I like the most about these movies is that 
it like it really does do what Walt wanted them to do, which is show that animation can be a great medium to tell stories in, and not just in a silly let's make you laugh like break a plate three stooges looney tunes kind of way but also i'm gonna make you cry because this deer's mom gets shot or (laughs) i'm gonna or i'm gonna i'm gonna you know make you scared because there's a giant satan demon thing in a mountain that's cursing a town below it i mean it's and like because the the image is dictated by what is just coming out of your brain versus having to work with real people and having to, you know, manipulate it a certain way, dress it a certain way so that it can be effective. You can just draw it and make it exactly what you want it to be. And it's just, it's amazing. I love animation, ultimately. And I think these are prime examples of why it's great. They're, these are basically like the grandparents of animation. I don't know if without these films we would have some of the great animated features that we have today. Definitely not without Snow White, but without these others either. Because these are... Snow White was the great experiment. This was Disney finding its way. Like, just look at this. Like, just the, the leaves and, like, just the whole thing. Just, you know, it, it can find the beauty in, 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 in many things. You know, the beauty in nature... The beauty in music, the beauty in all, all sorts of stuff. And it, it really, these are all really important. And I'm glad we never paired these up with anything else. I mean, other than Snow White paired with, with Wizard of Oz. But like these other ones, I can only think of the, each, these group, this grouping of films to be paired together. So um, this did not go over three hours, thankfully. This is, this is a nice. Um, <laughs> do, what, um, do you want to talk about another movie? <clears throat> Um, you know what? Well, we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, some uh, some some other films. I got Saludos Amigos in here. I got Three Caballeros. Uh, make my music melody time. Uh, Ichabod. No. Yeah, let's get into um, the wartime now, era. Now, now, That's now not Joey, disgusting now enough. Now Joey's just showing off. You know, like, maybe we I got could, all the Disney could, movies. Maybe we could do that as a bonus episode in the future, like different eras. But that's a whole other thing. Let us know if you want to he- hear that, folks. But Allison, I just want to say thank you so much. For joining us um this week's episode it um i think this is gonna be this is gonna be a good one once once i once i piece it together you're you're a, you're a good fit for this one for sure like, i love being on the show with you guys i think i've mentioned it before but i need to say it again i have so much fun when you bring me on and we get to talk about movies because that is literally how we all became friends before joey and i started officially dating is we would literally just talk endlessly about movies so it's important to, it's important to me important to us and i'm excited because like, it's getting hyped. like the show even if like it, it could be the bane of our existence sometimes <laughs> like I, if I message I, Joey at nine in the morning or nine at, like nine at night, there's music. <laughs> Come and get I it. mean, look this this whole podcast that you guys have had going on has helped keep me from missing Joey too much for one a uh, one year eight month, uh, eight months and however many weeks it's been, however many days it's been. Joey, are you writing this down? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not because this. I know I'll, I I know if I write it down, I'll, I'll, I won't remember anyway. <laughs> I'm not gonna twi- I, look. I'm not gonna quiz him. I'm just gonna hug the crap out of him and you guys when I see you in a few days. I mean, I'll, I'll wave. I was human contact is still an issue with me, admittedly. He's That's gonna get a hug. I'll, I'll, I'll just warn you right now. He's getting a hug. I've missed him too much for that. You, you get Joey. You can have my hug. 
That's fine. Yeah, uh, yeah I, that's, that's what's going to happen. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, I just want to bring up this concluding point, too. Like, you know, just Disney in general, like, um, with these movies, but also other movies in the parks, it's like, it's had a huge impact on my life. I know it's had an impact on all of us. I mean, I think about, like, my dad and my grandpa. Like, some of the only memories I have of them are Disney, are watching Disney movies with them or going to Disney parks. And obviously, met Allison through a Disney dating site. So, Disney, despite your 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 weird business practices, shortcomings, your shortcomings, uh, uh, thank you, um, you know, for a lot of that other stuff, a lot of the good stuff. So that about wraps it up this week, folks. On two dudes, one double feature. What is your favorite movie in the Disney Golden Era, or just favorite Disney movie in general? Please let us know. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All three of us are on Letterbox, which is pretty cool. We have a YouTube channel. We're we're all there. We're all we're all reviewing movies, even ones that we don't talk about. Um, and Joey normally does this, and I know he already did it, but I'm going to say thank you to Allison for being on the show. It's always a, it's always a delight. Thank you guys. I'm so glad you guys let me come on. Um, uh, uh, good goodbye, folks. <laughs> Have a good night, everyone, and we'll see you when we return from Florida. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout-out, as always, to John and Kenny Armstrong, and a special shout-out to our third dude this week, Allison Cola. Thank you all so much. We had so much fun with you, Allison, and John and Kenny... You guys are always the best. And a hint to next week's double feature. We are talking about two ultra-violent cop movies. Set in the future. Stay tuned. Come on.